This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. There was a thing over, over the weekend. So, Casey, you were you were down the shore this weekend. Well, the, I came back to my brother's house. Okay, then when did this video that you posted on Instagram? That was Saturday night. Uh, we were playing a game outside on, on my brother's patio. Yeah, and I, I couldn't quite figure out what this game was. You had titled it Fire Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> a new game for morons everywhere, hashtag Delco. Yeah, so when it was um, introduced to me, it was called Fire Jenga. Uh it had only been played one time uh, prior to this, and then uh, so when I took this video, uh, we had actually established rules at this point to um, fire pit Jenga. To fire pit Jenga. So you guys, uh, Preston, are you familiar? Do you have a uh, you have um, a propane fire pit? Do you not? No, it's wood burning. It's wood burning. But right. I've seen these propane fire tanks, and they're like little stones, right? And they have these uh, crystal type uh, things right. that are in there, and, and gas floats inside it, and and uh, and you get this little flame coming up, but you're not actually burning uh, wood. No, so it's um, in my brother's fire pit. It's uh, big pieces of glass. So the way it, it initially was uh, introduced to me was that. Uh, people just you know go in and they stick and your they, hand in fire. <laughs> stick, stick your hand in the fire. Yeah, and you pull out a stone, and that's it. Okay, and, then, and you go around in a circle, and you keep doing it. Um, and the, when they, I think my brother's friends played this for the first time on uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah, like, so this has been played now multiple times. This I literally was playing it the second time that that, that they ever played it. Oh well, that's not that much. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but there were no rules. They they were just. The first time they yeah, played they're being it, they were like, oh, about it. Just take, and they just did it until they nobody could put their hand into the fire anymore. What would it, it was too because hot. it's too hot? That's uh-huh. it. So the, All the, right, so the glass, the pieces of glass get really hot, mm-hmm. and you see if you can reach in and grab one and, and pull it out and set it in front of you. Right. Okay. So uh, on Saturday night, we had actually finally established rules, and it actually made it a lot of fun. So what you do? It sounds fun. It, it really is. What you do is you you circle around the fire pit. And, you know, somebody's got to go first, and you go uh, in, in clock uh, clockwise uh, order, and you, you take a, a rock out of the fire pit. But the rule is, once you establish contact with a rock or a piece of glass, that is your piece of glass. You cannot lose contact. So uh, if, you, if you touch it, that's the one that you have to pick up. If you, pick up, uh, if you drop it, then you're out. And then, you know, you're, you're, right. you're eliminated. So you're sitting around the pit, or, or you're sitting around, it's like a square, right? Yeah, and you're reaching in, and so uh, then all you have to do is move it from where it is in the pit and put it on the counter and put it on the counter. If, and that's not that far. It's not that far. Now the other thing is because you might grab a piece of glass that is hotter than you had anticipated it being, and you throw it down on the counter, and if it falls off of the counter, you're out. And then it's just last man standing. And obviously, you know, the more rocks you take out, the more likely it is that the you know the rocks are going to be hotter. All right, as you get closer to the center of the fire, it's dumb. How, how, <laughs> it is very dumb. It's, how long does it take? How long does it take to play the game? Not long. Okay. Not, no, 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 not long at all. Were there um, any any uh, lingering injuries? Not that I had seen. Okay. No. no. It's stupid. So, but, yeah. but you know what? The reason I brought it up is because I was looking at the comments uh-huh. and uh, somebody had said, oh, uh, along the lines that they, it's not just us. Yes. I mean, that, that like they had somebody else as well. Somebody else is apparently playing this game as well. Fire yes. pit Jenga, you're calling it. Yeah, so, so. Fire Jenga. Fire Jenga. Fire Jenga is what, when when they introduced it to me, they called it Fire Jenga. <laughs> and then my brother's friend, Fran, he's like, no, it's Delco Jenga. I'm like, 
No, no Fire Jenga sounds Delka better. Delka. He's Fire like, well, how about Fire Delka Django? No. no. How about you shut up? <laughs> I'm like, Fire Jenga is fine. You could just say that it was originated in Delco. That's fine. Yeah, all right. But uh, if Fire you want to make claim to it. All right. Yeah. You know what actually would be pretty cool is if you took Jenga, you know, the blocks yeah. all set up, and you pour lighter fluid set or gasoline on. on it and set them on fire oh, and on. then try to play <laughs> before it burns up completely. <laughs> Right. You know what? Okay, May I suggest something else? Yes. Same game, same concept. Mm-hmm. Replace the Jenga pieces with sticks of dynamite. Sticks okay. of dynamite. That could work too. Because honestly, you'd have to be so good. What is the fascinating... Now, I get it. You're sitting around a fire pit. And it's all guys. All guys. for some reason... Doing stupid things. Girls don't like to sit around girls fire don't pits. Don't, girls, for some reason, don't want to put their hands into an open flame. Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny is we started playing and then... Then the girls started to show up like, what are you doing, right? And, and of course, they were like, it was a sort of condescending, you guys are dumb. And then they're like, can, can we play? Can we? Nobody <laughs> wanted to play, but then they all, all, all of a sudden, they started having an, an, a, like a, an interest. An interest. Yeah. You know, they had skin. They were getting like, no, on. he dropped it. He dropped it. He, you know, and so that was, that was kind of fun. That's my moron. <laughs> I love, I love uh, made up backyard games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and especially if you're, you're having a couple of beers and it just turns into this and that. We used to do it with uh, my kids. We had a, um, um, a swing set in the backyard, and there was a tire swing, and it turned into, uh, can you make the ball bounce if you're standing on the deck, which is like, you know, 30 yards away, and bounce and then land in the swing, right. in, in the tire swing, and get through. And then then by the time you start playing it, then you rules start to uh, right. uh, start to happen. Well, well, it's like in the Goldbergs, they have this, and I love it, because when you're a kid, I guess even as an adult, obviously, here with the, with the fire pit Django, whatever it is, uh, they they had a game that stood the test of time throughout the years called Ball Ball. Yeah. So it was a dumb game they played in the basement, but they literally had their 20 rules or whatever, how you play Ball Ball. You got to think that like games like uh, Jarts and Ladder and Coits and all of those were just were originated in, in somebody's backyard. Somewhere. Sure, of course. Just exactly. Eventually worked their way into mass production because... They became fun for everyone. Well, so that's the thing. We were playing this, right? So there was just, you know, I don't even know how many people were there, like eight of us just sitting around this fire, just randomly picking stones out of the fire. <laughs> right. When we decided, like, wait a second. Wait a second. We, we actually need to, like, establish some sort of rule. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just kind of just grabbing hot stones out of the fire. Wait a second. <laughs> we make rules. <laughs> <laughs> Now, <laughs> who was the last, who who won that yeah, Who won? Um, that round was, I actually won that round. Did you guys play several rounds? We played several rounds. So my, my older brother, okay. Do you have so, fingerprints? <laughs> yes. So my older brother, Foz, uh, he won the round before that. I won that round. Then the next round, I came in second, but there's an asterisk there. Because you burned off a finger. Well, you know, no, I didn't. No, because the guy that quote unquote beat me, this guy Steve, yeah, he had actually grabbed the rock out of the fire, all right, and then he threw the rock down, but then the rock bounced off of um off of the, the, the counter and then he grabbed it with his other hand. Hence he had not established contact all the way to the very end. By the way, Steve, yeah. the flaming Jenga. Has already been done. Are you kidding Nick me? Nick has pulled up a video. Flaming Jenga. It's called Playing with Fire, Flaming Giant Jenga. So they've taken these really big Jenga pieces and they, they douse it in fuel, set it ah. on fire. But they're using, uh, they have a, a, a flame retardant gel on their hands. Oh. As they reach in, which doesn't 
completely protect you 100, no. but uh, Jesus Christ, I like that. Oh, uh, I really? love that. Yeah, yes, I can we do that in the studio? We may have to try to do that somewhere. Maybe the camp out for hunger or something like that. We could do that. You know how you know our history of of us in fire. Oh my God! Yeah, go I'm well. sure Xfinity's gonna love that. Yeah. Uh, let me go to Ryan. Hey Ryan, how you doing? Good, good. We uh, just wanted to share a game we we would play in the back in the backyard of my grandmother's house. Please do. Well, we would uh, get a golf tee, and uh, so we'd line up around the deep end of the pool. We'd jump <laughs> off the diving board and sink the golf. One person would sink the golf tee to the bottom of the pool, and then as you can imagine, this small golf tee comes up through the uh, through the pool, and then you have you know six, eight people jump in and have a like a. a you know, anything goes to find the golf tee and get the golf tee, and you end up, you know, half drowning each other, <laughs> having a wrestling match in the deep end. It's it was a lot of fun. Does it, throw, wait, throw it out there. Why, Ryan, is is does it float because it's made of wood? Oh yeah, the golf tees float, so okay. they they slowly float up to the surface, and then oh, everyone, jump so everyone jumps in and tries to intercept it before it hits the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and, so and it, it just it just became this backyard game that we played for years. <laughs> so my kids play a similar Thanks, game uh, called Biddle. Do you guys play Biddle? Have you ever? Apparently, Middle. all right, so no. it's something similar where you take a, a, a bottle cap, like yeah. from a, a water bottle, mm-hmm. like a clear bottle, and that really blends into the to the water, yeah. and it's really tough to see, and they kind of do the same thing where somebody will randomly throw it into the pool, and then they got to get the biddle. Yeah, the the, the, the search uh, search and seize uh, games in the pool are, are, are many, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, we used to think we'd take a, like a, a, a clear, broken champagne glass. Right. <laughs> And uh, throw it in throw there. Throw it in the pool. Yeah, yeah. And see who comes up bleeding. <laughs> and that's the winner. That is the winner. Uh, here's some uh, text coming in. I play a game called Stump, uh, where you have oh, yeah. to flip a hammer and nail into a stump. I know Stump. What is it? Yeah, that's not it's a made-up a... game. Yeah. It's oh, it's that. not? No, no, no. No, no. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You have to catch the hammer, and then you bring it down on the nail. And, right. Um, you can, um, of course, like all of these games, incorporate drinking. Yeah, Casey says, uh, here it says the golf tee game is called Dibble. Okay. Dibble? Yeah. Dibble, Dibble. I shall call it Dibble. Um, <laughs> kill the man with the tree is another text that came and kill the man, kill with, the man with the, the tree. tree. I remember kill the man with the ball. Yes. Tea. That was a Not different tree. one. Oh, with the T. T. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I <laughs> wondered how you got the tree in the pool. Yeah, how did you run around with that tree yeah. the whole time? <laughs> See the guy with the tree? Yeah. Kill yeah. him. Kill him. <laughs> and you can use guns. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go to Melissa. Hey, Melissa, how you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. What's up, Melissa? I wanted to tell you about a game I invented with my kids. Um, We have an open, like on the second floor, you can see down into the family room. So it's kind of like a walkway. And I would have them balance on their toes at one end of the walkway, um, squatting down, like in a squat position, um, almost like they're taking a crap. Uh (laughs) Squatting down take a giant exercise ball from the other end of the hallway and roll it towards them to try to knock them off balance. And they would love it. They would, you know, fall over. they try to do it to us. So, so we called it Bowling for Kids. Bowling for Kids. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a human bowling game. So you're on your toes but squatting? Yeah. So, like, if you went into a squat position, fully squatted down all the way where your bottom's touching the back of your heels... And your toes. Oh, okay. I physically couldn't do that. Can you do it, Casey? Casey, let me see. Casey's going to try. Case. He's getting a bowling ball. Or he's getting a ball. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was just going to do the squat thing. He's leaving. And you roll it and, and try to knock them over. Try to knock them off balance, yeah. You, well, okay. you, you, you really like it. 
You remember what we used to do? We did it. We did it over media. We were rolling. We we in fact we did it on air. We rolled the empty water bottles down the steps. They were playing Donkey Kong. The Donkey Kong. Yeah, jump over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey, you're gonna do this. All right, hold on a second. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's our hippity hop ball. So you so you gotta go like like you don't you. You don't You're gonna no 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 no. You have to do it. And then I gotta try and knock you off balance, right? All right. So Casey's gonna roll this ball. Kathy is squatting, <laughs> and he fake threw it at her. All right, come on. Here we go. Don't she just whip it really hard no, at him? No, that's easy. Well, no, it's it. She was playing with kids, by the way. You have oh, an yeah. adult woman. Okay, yeah. Good point. Here, here, Kathy, let me do it. I'll do it my way. Except I was gonna throw a chair at you. Right. I, uh, I was going to. But then I thought, man, I, you know, it would be bad if I... If Do I you just... have an actual bowling ball? Yeah. Let me go to uh, Jed. Hey, Jed, how you doing, man? Hey, it's Ted. How you guys doing? Good, Hi, Chad. Chad. What's up? Not Chad, it's Chad. Hey, man. Ted, Ted, Ted. Hey, Ted, how's Chad? Ted, Ted. Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what Chad? we used to do when we were kids is we would take a Nerf football... And light it on fire. Oh, I like it. I like it. Ted, would you use any? Would you use any accelerant on it? Nah, nah. It would burn pretty good by itself. Okay. And I'm sure it creates a totally lethal gas when they're when they're melting. Oh yeah, it makes the game more fun. <laughs> All right. So you light a it's it's a it's a a, a football. Yeah, Nerf football. Light okay. it on fire, and then we would kick it around. Okay. Until there wasn't much left to kick anymore. Yeah. And you would wind up with melted Nerf football all over your sneakers. Well, let me um, tell you something. One of the big we know this. There's a sport they play in South America where they light the uh, the soccer ball on fire. By the way, Ted, would you? Uh, how would you win this particular game? Or are you just kicking around a burning ball? <laughs> I just kick around the burning. <laughs> ball. Kick around, kick around the burning ball. All right, nice. Yep. Similar thing that we would do was we'd take uh, hairspray and spray it on a tennis ball and then light that on fire and, <laughs> and throw it back and forth. And there were no points. It was just, you know, just at, at night. At it, night. Tennis ball. It looked cool. It flaming tennis ball. You, and you know, you know, at some point, it, it is the risk factor that yeah. you're dealing with yeah. because obviously this is all insane. Let me go to uh, Steve O. Hey, Steve O, how you doing? My only radio? Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> What's up, Steve? Uh, so at, uh, my cousin's get together that we used to have, uh, every year, um, after everybody got, you know, their drinks in them and everything, this happened at the end of the night, we would, uh, get the biggest watermelon that we could find and, uh, it would get lathered up with baby oil and then you would throw it into the pool and whoever would able to, was able to get the, uh, watermelon out of the, the pool with baby oil would win. Yeah. That's a good idea. Happen. We used yeah. to do that no, too. I've heard, yeah. I've heard about that. It, yeah. it, okay. That's a familiar game to you guys. Mm-hmm. Wow. Could you just do it with yeah. a baby? <laughs> but it's re- you know what? It's really difficult to get because the, the object of the game is to get the, the watermelon back out of the pool. So yeah. whoever gets it out of the pool wins, but it's pretty hard to get it out. Hey, Preston, what if you doused a golf ball with some type of um, flammable liquid? Could you play a, a hole? If it was on fire? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't stay on fire. You don't think so? No. Because it would fly through the air, right? It would. Yeah, as it as goes through the air, those, those things go. Over it go too fast. Hour. Yeah, it, it would. It would absolutely. I'm just trying to think of quickly. what what other things you could light on fire. I know. <laughs> I am too. Fire makes things so much more fun. Uh, let me go to. I'm going to go to Matt. Hey Matt, how you doing, buddy? Hey. Hey, what's hey. up, bud? You guys rock. Oh, oh. Appreciate it. Casey made up this game, or his friends made I it. His brother it. made up this game, uh, which is fire Jenga. But what do you want to tell us about? Uh, well, I was. 
telling you, I was going to want to tell you about my dad. Uh, when he was a kid, he had two older brothers, and they all slept in one room. And uh, they used to have a game called Law of the Bat, and it was a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> Law of the Bat. Okay. <laughs> the I'm interested. Goes in the center of the room, and all three of them were on separate you know, sides of the room, and they would lay on their beds, and as soon as the lights went off, They'd all rush the bat. So whoever got the bat got to beat the living snot out of the other two while the other two teamed up on that guy. So so this is in the dark. So the, the, oh, it's in the, dark, the yeah. bat's placed in the middle of the room. The lights go off. And then it, it is, they've got to run to get the bat. Whoever gets the bat has carte blanche to beat the piss out of the other guys. It's a battle royale. And then if you get the bat off the other guy, you turn on your partner and you beat the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Man, did you guys now? Did your parents know you were playing this game? Oh no, this was my dad. He told me about it. <laughs> <Your> dad, <laughs> wow, I love yeah, it. I was an only child, so I had to beat the crap out of myself. You know, yeah, that's, that's depressing. All right, thanks, man. Wiffle ball it. bats used to be awesome uh, weapons. You know, did you ever have wiffle ball bat fights? Oh yeah, we did all the time. Yep, they were fun. Uh, hang on, the, okay, let's go to Rick. Here's a, and by the way. Uh, a disclaimer. Don't try these things no. on your own. These people have, have survived this to tell the tale. I'm going to go to Rick. Hey, Rick, what's up, buddy? Not much. Gadzooks. Gadzooks, man. All right, so tell us about your game. So you uh, have a bonfire, fairly uh-huh. low flame level at first. You put about two or three pallets on there and have everybody stand on top of the pallets. And uh, pretty simple, the last person to jump off wins. <laughs> Run this by me how again. Many, how many pallets do you stack on top of each other? Sometimes too, but it depends how uh, how intoxicated you get. By the way, I've I've seen pallets burn; they go up quick, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah and hot. And uh, yeah, so you put you stack them on top of each uh, in the fire. You get a low you get a low fire going, just a few logs, so, and then you exactly, put you put three pallets and on the fire. Everybody stands on top. Last one on oh, is the winner. God, last one off. Last one off is winner. I'm sorry. It, um, that are, sounds dangerous. Do you remember yeah. the name? Of the, did you guys have a name of the game? Pallet game. Pallet game. It's called Temporary Morgue. Dear God. (laughs) Did you ever win it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I usually win it. Did anybody anybody ever get hurt? Uh, Not seriously. (laughs) Not seriously. Wow. Right. No way. No way am I playing the pallet no. game. No, I'm not going to play that either. Yeah, that one, I'm, that one I'm not down with. Uh, I'm not even keen on Casey's game, much less standing in the fire. Hang on. Ed would play golf with his feet. What? Right. How do you do that? Hey, Ed, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Good. So tell us about this game you made up. Okay, so me and my brother were at my aunt's house, and she had a golf, club, golf course behind her in his wintertime, and we were bored as hell in her house. So we went down two balls in the woods, and we said, hey, let's play around. So off the tee box, we'd chuck the ball as far as we could, pick it up at the next day as a par four, pick it up again. But when you got in the green, we'd putt with our feet. And we played nine holes. <laughs> okay. So you were throwing the ball to get up on the green, and when you got up on the green, your foot became your putter. You got it. All right. That's not bad. Preston, what would you name that game? We had to name it. We never did. Wow. Uh, uh, hand wedge. Oh, I like that. You like it? I love it. All right, there you go, buddy. I'd like to play that maybe with like an aluminum baseball bat <laughs> because throwing is it's fine. You don't really run the the risk of getting it into the uh, the rough or, or you know anything. Yeah, no, it should be hit the ball bounds. with an aluminum bat. Yeah. You're going to get a couple hundred yards. But yep. still, it's a game. Yeah. You know, one, somebody would be better than another. When we were just in Sweden, my buddy Will and I, we had some. Uh, we were at the house and had some time to kill, and we saw that they had. 
uh, uh, my wife's aunt had an, an apple tree in the front yard, and the apples were small. They were about yeah. golf ball size. Right. And they were falling off left and right. And we found a seven iron in the house. Uh-huh. So we made up a golf game in, in the yard. And uh, we would uh, we'd take a beer, and you would set the beer somewhere in the yard, and that's the hole. Okay. And then you'd pick out a tee box area, and then it's just however whoever got the least amount of it for the apple to hit the, uh, uh, the beer bottle okay. was the winner. Uh, or you won that hole. Because it's not like a, um, an even roll. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was difficult to do. He said that he used to play a game like that when uh, he was in a fraternity, and they would make the pledges be their caddies, uh, <laughs> and they'd have to hold their beer for them and, sure. and uh, set everything up as they go along. And that, I'm like, dude, that sounded like fun. So when and we it got, was fun. We had a good time. We used to play slam ball when I was a kid, uh, and that was just essentially it was, uh, like, you know, like a wiffle ball or baseball. But we used a tennis ball and a tennis racket, and you would hit the tennis ball as hard as you and as far as you possibly could. But um, you would you would uh, ultimately hit my neighbor's tree that hung over the street, yeah. And then it would the, the ball would pinball through the tree branches, and you would try and catch it that way. So at least there was some sort of a challenge. Well, it was okay. almost like uh, like uh, the Price is Right, um, uh-huh. uh, like a, a plinko. plinko, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let me go over here to uh, Eric because I want to find out what underwear wrestling is. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, how you doing, man? Uh, hey, what's up? What's, what's the word, guys? Uh, uh, the word. Yeah. Wow. Everybody's heard about the bed. All right, Eric, so tell us about your game. All right, so it's actually a random game we used to make up, and the name that we have for it is totally random. It's called Panda. Okay? Panda. And what you do is you, you and your buddy are in the middle of a pool, and it's basically something you want to do in an above-ground pool. And what you do is you let all the air out of your body so you know you can get real low and yeah. you know, touch the ground, and you look at your buddy. And the rules are you can't choke him out. You can only use your hands. So what you've got to do is you push him out of the water. And you wrestle for a little bit, and it gets hard because, you know, you're, you don't have much breath in your body, and you're wrestling, you know. I heard another guy who's pretty strong. Well, my buddy of mine, he'd always cheat, and he would choke you out a little bit, and then, you know, get up, he'd argue for a bit. And we actually have a reigning champ, and he actually listens to this radio station. His name's Pat. He's never been beat. He's always won it, and we've been doing this for years. This so, in high school. So just, just to explain, you're, 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 are you, the, the goal is to throw the other person out of the pool? Not out of the pool, but you have to push your, your opponent above the water. Okay. You get out of the water. So you're underwater, and you got to get them above the water line, and yeah. that's how you win. Meaning? you wrestling your buddy underwater and pu- trying to uh, push them out of the water to penetrate the, you know. Okay. All right, so at, at any point of their body that breaks the uh, the surface of the water, that's considered any, a win? Your, your foot, anything. You okay. have to make sure you stay low, and it's hard to actually stay in the water and try to actually push your opponent right. above the water every time. All right, and by meaning that you can't use your legs at all, does that mean you, you can't stand up? No, you have to try and stay parallel to the ground, and you just use your arms and your hands to just so that's in the, your buddy and push him out. So the water's got to be kind of shallow then. Yeah, he's yeah, saying an above-the-ground pool. Yeah, it's above-ground pool only because we, we thought about doing an in-ground pool, and we're like, what if we slide down? We're screwed. Yeah, you, cause especially since you have no air in your lungs because you forced yeah. that out. What I would say uh, is a great way to add a little, another element to this game, put an oil slick on top of the water and set it on fire. Yes. <laughs> That would be awesome. That would be- <laughs> but you you would only be able to wrestle for a little while until you actually lost breath. Right. So either yeah. you won or you had to submit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No one ever submitted. It was always a winner. And it, we'd always go after. Everyone would challenge our buddy Pat, and he would win no matter what. And would Pat, Pat would choke you out? You said Pat, Pat would choke people out. No, Pat was the one who actually abided by the rules. Our buddy Eddie-O would choke somebody out. Eddie-O would choke, of course. Son of a bitch. Always choking people out. Interesting. Panda is the name of the game. And is Pat a big guy? 
Pat, yeah, he, he's a pretty big guy. He actually was a wrestler. He, that's actually how we kind of got close in high school. We were wrestlers, and, you know, from there on out, we yeah. started, you know, became best friends. He was All a right. water wrestler. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Here's <laughs> no one. Problem. Somebody just uh, texted in, uh, strobe light pillow fight. What is this? <laughs> yeah. I like no. this. That sounds like fun, See, we, though. We did, like, we turn out all the lights, so we did pitch black pillow fights, but strobe light pillow fights. That's another level. Oh, uh-huh. like, we uh, could darken the studio up pretty good. I like that. Uh, uh, strobe light. Let me go next to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Morning. How are you? Good. What's up, Jeff? All right. Me and my buddies uh, came up with this game. It's called Kicking Kicking and Burning. Kicking and oh, Burning. Dear what God. a clever name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was about 17 years old, and we were at a friend's house who has this large plot of land. All the parents did. And uh, they were having a bonfire, and, uh, you know, teenagers get bored. And uh, I noticed that there was a bunch of cardboard boxes uh, at the side. So we took about five or six or so, stuffed one inside the other, mm-hmm. and uh, sprayed it with a bunch of hairspray. Of course. And, uh, you know, lit it on fire and started kicking around the yard and, uh, you know, kicking and it burning. You know, burned the uh <laughs> Burn the, uh, the night away. <laughs> Burn the night away. See, was there no... a goal? Was there a way to declare a winner? Right. Uh, whoever didn't get burnt, uh, but my buddy actually did get <laughs> <laughs> So whoever made it out without being injured was the winner. Yeah, you guys need to think the rules out Yeah, the rules have to be refined. Yeah. I like where you're going, Yeah, and I like the name, Kicking and Burning. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, hang on. I got to go to this one. I'm going to go to Tyler real quick. Hey, Tyler. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, buddy. We're talking about a game that uh, Casey's buddies made up uh, called Fire Jenga. What is your game called? So my game is called Everybody But Tyler. (laughs) And uh, it was when I was little, about five years old. My brother and my cousin Patrick, who are five years older than me, I really wanted to be their friend. So I really wanted to play a game with them. And their game was that they would grab me by the hands, um, one of them would, and spin me in a circle around the yard. And throw me as far as they could. <laughs> and whoever got me the farthest would win. Oh, my so God. So you were a shot put, basically. Yeah. I, I literally was. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was so much fun. When my mom saw them playing, you know, they, they got in a whole lot of trouble. But I thought it was fun, and they wanted to play with me. So that was, you know, it was the ultimate payoff. And so right. the game is called Everybody But Tyler. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I that, love that. <laughs> but you know, when you're a little kid, though, and you want to be part of the group. I know. You'll do anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Toast. Bastards, sons of bitches. Exactly. Thanks, yeah. Tyler. Appreciate it. All right, one more, and I've heard of this game before. It's uh, Joe. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, Joe. So tell us about your game. All right, well, the game was actually called uh, Beat the Belt, and uh, pretty much, you know, everyone picks a designated safe spot. One person goes out into the yard or wherever you're playing, hides the belt, you know, as best as they can, and then the rest of the group, after, you know, the game starts, they go out looking for the belt. Whoever finds the belt pretty much gets to beat the heck out of anybody until they get to the safe zone. Yeah. All right. So the person with the belt now becomes like a berserker and can chase everyone beating them with the belt until they get back to their safety zone. Yeah, absolutely. And it always kind of was like there was the one weakling from the herd who always just gets caught <laughs> up. Oh, what was, the, what was the, the, the initial rules of hide-and-go-seek if you... What, was, there, Thanks, was, there, was there an element of hide-and-go-seek that was like that or a more... So hide and go seek. You go out and when you find someone, you hide and go seek tag. Hide and go seek tag. Well, there's, and then there's hide a base. and go seek punch. Uh, sometimes there was a base. A base. That's but, what I'm remembering. I think I think you might be thinking more of kick the can. 
Okay. We, we played uh, capture, you know. Yeah, so there were a few things that had a base you had to get to, and, and if you got tagged before you got to the base, you were out or you were it or Isn't something uh, like that. Ghost in the Graveyard basically reverse hide-and-go-seek? It is. Yeah, but you just do it at night. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I had heard of the belt game before, but I had heard... We, in fact, somebody had called in and told us on the show one time. It was just called Hide the Belt. Bottom okay. line, somebody hides the belt, whoever finds it gets to beat the other people. <laughs> oh my God, it's so it's a simple game that mm-hmm. speaks to me. Not a lot of rules, mm-hmm. but a lot of payoff. But uh, Casey has a post of them playing Fire Jenga, uh, which is not... It doesn't involve wood. It's uh, it's the glass pieces in a uh, propane, in, in, a, in a gas fire pit. Yeah. And each person tries to pull out a piece of glass, which is hot, by the way, and set it in front of them. And if you drop one, or if your glass falls off of, of your area, then you're out, and it just goes down to last man standing. Yeah. As you said before, though, it's probably a good idea not to do stuff with fire. Yeah, and you can see in the, in the post that I did here, uh, Fran Grady lost in the first round. And I just needed to say that publicly. Fran Grady <laughs> lost in the first round. Fair enough. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it's amazing what you will come up with uh, in, in the backyard <laughs> of a Delco house when you really don't have much to do. But thanks for sharing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back in just a moment. I got some B-File stories that I dug through this weekend and found for you. I'll reveal them when we get back. Stay there. Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. Can you believe football is back? This Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme, swoop in and win sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash or 2022 Eagle season tickets. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at acmeswoopinandwin.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles and MMR's Preston and Steve Show. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. So our next guest has a lot of cool things going on. Uh, one of them would be the fact that there are two Grammy nominations for <laughs> yeah. uh, the upcoming awards ceremonies. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Rock Album of the Year, Rock Song of the Year. Uh, last year was in town to play the MM Barbecue, and I also saw that uh, Metal Hammer named the album prequel Metal Album of the Year. Please welcome the man behind Ghost. It's uh, Tobias Ford. Yeah. yeah. Pretty Tobias. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, I want to apologize ahead of time because your band has been around since 2006. You guys have developed this wonderful following and success. And I'm pretty much new to Ghost. Uh, I've heard of and seen pictures and so on and so forth, but have now just recently been introduced to what you're all about and, and all that. Um, so my questions may come from the perspective of a, of a new <laughs> fight fan. Yeah, as opposed no one's to... perfect. It's <laughs> as opposed to... Well, listen, because I know how fanatical your fans are. Last year, when we announced it, that you were going to be playing at our festival show, the MMRBQ, I was in Lowe's, and a guy came up to me, and he recognized me, and he said, oh, you know, hey, I heard you guys are having Ghost on the bill. And I said, yeah. I go, are you a fan? And he pulls up his sleeve, <laughs> and he's got a big Ghost tattoo on his arm. I was like... Oh, the band's at that level. So you've got some very serious fans. I mean, some people that have been with you and uh, are tried and true, and um, that's got to be that's got to feel wonderful. And and it's been kind of a, a slow build. You've played and played and toured and worked and just kind of like a snowball gathered more and more along the way. Correct? Yeah, I think that the biggest um, 
not the biggest step, but 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 going from very little to something, from nothing to something, um, was the, when the first album came out. And yep. then once we started touring, we you know I, I already had my mindset quite clearly that what I wanted to do with my life. So once I got the opportunity, you know, we started touring a lot, and that that obviously takes a lot of time, and it's but, a long route. It's a long way to the top. It, see, it seems that you that you did what I think is a really cool, proper trajectory. You you um, sampled and and played in different genres of music. You are a, a, you know a, a very competent musician yourself, and and have been evolving into your your sound and how to. Get your sound out there. In other words, it happened through attrition, incrementally, and that that I assume lends a level of confidence as you start to go along and start to pick up steam. I mean, you've everything from, I guess, straight up, you know, punk to uh, sort of an alternative sound to uh, to a heavier metal, like a like a I guess like a like a death metal. Or as a reading over the the history of the band, um, you know. Uh, uh, all these different iterations, and and I think as you're probably going along, correct me if I'm wrong, you're able to sort of pick things that you like and and sort of uh, make them into your own. Was was that the process? Yeah, basically. Yeah. When when uh, when the um, earliest seeds of what became Ghost was planted and and and, and nurtured, um, I had several different um, projects or bands, right. Uh, that was that all were, um, I guess, a little bit more niched. I've never been like, well, well, my death metal band was kind of straight, but but it was still when I was doing Repugnant, there was definitely a lot of older punk ba- punk fans, punk guys, right, right, that were like, oh, I can clearly hear that you you like Dead Kennedys, like, right, yeah. So it was still like very. Mixed in different vibes. I mean, my my musical background, where I started, uh, have always shown through to some extent, and then it might not be as as evident as pe- some people want it to be. Like very very clear, easily to classify. Yeah, easily right. classified. No, I hear you, and, and easily detected. Yeah, uh, and even though I I am uh, physically not today, maybe so much. Uh, but but I, I always uh, you know try to wear a lot of influences on my on my sleeve. Yeah. But not necessarily musically. It's not like I wanted to sound like one specific thing. But when one the one thing that got me very very um, feeling intuitively freer free freed up yeah. doing Ghost was because of the the mash between so many different things. It was. I could utilize a lot of my sort of more extreme metal um, chops, yeah, uh, riffing wise, and mix them with uh, basically AOR sort of choruses. Mm-hmm. Which that, that surprised us, and that's honestly we've talked about that many times on the show. Between the and to, and to Preston's point, when we were first starting to be introduced to the imagery of Ghost, right, and then heard the sound. And we had we had some fun oh. with that because it was it was like they're, I, they're all different things and 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 different you know you had, I'm I, sure I you initially, had an immediate I I initially thought I was going to hear that that death metal thing and then I hear this really smooth melodic voice of yours and I'm like wait a minute yeah okay, this is a different thing there there are melodies here that I wasn't expecting right 
Yeah, and so it was surprising. Uh, I, I want to get to. I'm going to get to prequel the album because I do have some questions about that. But about you and the band's persona and these characters, Papa Emeritus and uh, Cardinal Copia and, and all this. You pulled off something, and I know you were a Kiss fan. You were younger. I was well. They were, you know, they were just these rock gods to me. And they did makeup, obviously. But we knew who Gene Simmons was. We knew who Alice Cooper, you know, or even on the Alice Cooper side. Alice Cooper is a perfect example, but, but, though, but in, we, that, in that line. But we knew these names. You, however, managed to say it was a mystery as to who you even were. Mm. How did you pull that off? Because you were already playing with other musicians around Sweden. People knew who you were. And all of a sudden, how did you hide you and, and the other members of the band? Uh, hiding myself was probably the easiest thing. It's harder to hide other people. Right, yeah. right. Uh, especially since, uh, uh, you know, most people that would hang a, a guitar over your crotch had, did, does so or do so for for uh, usually a few different reasons. And one of them is usually because you want to be seen. And uh, I am no different. I, I also want recognition. And I, um, you know, as, I'm, I'm as, as exhibitionistic as, as any other artist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, however, this is, I guess this is the, the sort of key to understand what, what Ghost was to begin with. It was just one of my projects okay. to begin with. Okay. And it just happened to be something that I felt very strongly for as we as I was working with it. Mm-hmm. But before that I was I was very much in the I you know, in the Public wanting eye. to be become a big recognized person. But since Ghost happened to be the thing that that, that happened and, and and made it for me, I also became very fond of the idea of maybe not being so recognized. It's interesting because Preston mentioned Alice Cooper and there's a great documentary. There's actually a couple documentaries about Alice Cooper and Alice Cooper's agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was, you know, he had a a similar trajectory in that he was there was a, what was going to work for him. And when the the creation of the Alice persona came into being, that's when it that's when it it worked. It, 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 It propelled him forward. And 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 uh, so they were, you know. It sounds like you had all these different things. You loved this aspect of it, and this just happened to be the one that took it. It, it wasn't as orchestrated as say, we need an angle. It's it's like this was one of the things you loved, and it just happened to to sync. But it wasn't it wasn't an orchestrated effort to find that angle. Correct? Not in two thousand six. Okay. Yeah. No. Th- at that point, it was it it was a project. Yeah. And therefore you could distribute your different avenues, whatever, you know, into like I want this project. Oh, oh, let's be anonymous. Let's be dressed up. Let's right. do that. Yeah. And then you could wholeheartedly do that. If I had known in 2006 as the first songs were written that this is going to be your life's work, man. Right. Right. Uh, I might have taken a few I've I've done a few stupid decisions in <laughs> yeah. my life, obviously, but right. but 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 I would probably start screwing it up. Okay, but just because okay. of those years of 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 um, uh, development, I think a lot of the things that when when we finally sort of hit the market in 2010, I think a lot of that groundwork that that was done before that before there even was a band, right? Um, aided. The um, 
um, the impression that people had when we when we got out, basically. And and then to answer your question, I think it was very much on the well. Uh, you know, the uh, it was very much because of people liking it, and they liked the idea that it was anonymous, as okay. opposed to most other things on the market where everything is very over in your face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with that, with the image and, and the theatrics that come with it, and speaking of Alice Cooper, I saw an, art, uh, an interview with him one time saying that, you know, these bands would come up to him and say, oh, we got this great gimmick, this, is uh, this, blah, blah, blah. And his reaction was, that's great. Where's the song? Hmm. Where's the song? So it comes back to music being obviously the most important because if you don't have the music to surround the theatrics and so forth, you're not going to keep people. And so... Music is obviously, is is that the most important part of Ghost and the creation? Oh, of course. Without okay. that, you're, you're, we don't have a... It's, it's like having a, a, a fantastic uh, location and a really nice interior, but if you can't serve the food... Right. <laughs> yeah. No one comes because What's you have nice chairs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about prequel. Uh, some wonderful stuff on here and, and a really surprising... A uh, saxophone solo, really, that came out of nowhere as I was listening to that, uh, and that's on an instrumental, which I was delighted that you have on the album as well, because I'm a fan of progressive rock and and uh, and conceptual rock, and I miss really good instrumentals, mm. uh, which I thought was uh, was really cool. Was the sax uh, your idea? And by the way, question before that: Do you produce the albums, or do you have a producer that that does that work for you? I usually work with a producer. Okay, but I'm I'm very um, I'm very opinionated. Okay, so was the saxophone uh, your idea to fit into a metal album? That was my idea. That yeah, was really cool. Nice. It's really well done. Yeah, I like. I mean, I am a big fan of uh, saxophone in general. But I mean, I'm a. I like a lot of. Uh, as as most people do, I think we if, if you like rock and roll, there, there's certain moments, certain songs that I that I've always been a big fan of, and and uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen has a few songs where, you know, it, when you think that it cannot be more climactic, all of a sudden there's a sax solo, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it just screams like uh, nocturnal big stadium rock, yeah. yeah. And uh, Stones does that as well, and and um, so it, for me, that's associated with like that's the higher gear. Okay. When you thought you could not go any, it's like in Back Goes to the to Future, 11. yeah, Back to the Future th- <laughs> three when they put that sort of extra wood in, and, and <laughs> right, all of a sudden right, 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 the train takes <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, that's how you. That, that, that's the yeah, yeah. Uh, some interesting work with keyboards on it as well, because to my ears, I heard uh, piano, pipe organ. Uh, Hammond organ. I heard some awesome Moog synthesizer in there as well. Mm. Uh, who is? Are, are, are you a, a pianist, or do you play keyboards? I I would not call myself a pianist. Okay. I'm not. I'm not a, like. Uh, I, I cannot sit and play a concert. But I, I I like to write on keyboards, and I like to. Um, I I definitely utilize that very much in my my writing. It, but in, um, the, in the studio, it's you. You've you've done. I, I think I was reading. I forget which album it was, but you basically just had a like a session drummer, and you you played virtually all the instruments yourself, right? Is that at some point or another, everything that's been on our albums, I've played. Okay, uh, but but, but not, not for the live performance. Obviously, you need your your. It's not your position. Well, and and usually now on the later records, uh, a lot of the uh, things have I, I like for them to be recreated by someone who plays it really well. Yeah. 
because I mean I am a, I'm a little bit of jack of several trades when it comes to playing. I'm a, I'm an able drummer. I'm a right. quite good bass player. I'm a quite good guitar player. I'm a I, I can sing like me very well. Yeah, I'm very good at like harmonizing. If I had a if I had a better singer in front of me, I can harmonize really well. Okay, um, but I'm not like. I'm definitely not a saxophone player. I um, I can't play like a piano, right? Or, but I want I know exactly how I want it to be played. I mm-hmm. know that oh, this is the figure. This, this is the what I want you to do. Right. But I can't play it. I can I can sit and with you know the technic wonders of today, you can sort of place it in the computer. So on the demo, you have a lot of the things that I have played. But it, it will sound so much better if you give that track to... I have a friend, his name is Salem, who's uh, an absolute... He's, he's, a, he's a God-gifted... You know, like, he's a wonder. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the best musicians ever. So anything that I would do on a keyboard or a Hammond or, or a piano in a computer, he would play the shit out of. Yes. He would play it like... a. He wrote it himself, right, and, and right. absolutely masterfully, and he'd do it blindfolded, like like. And that pisses you off. <laughs> no, it, it's it's to my great advantage. Yeah. It's, a, it's a joy working with that. So right, why right. not utilize Access. someone like that who does it way better? We've been playing uh, Rats and Dance Macabre off of a prequel, um, and I was curious in in the song Rats, which is an awesome opener, by the way. It really kicks off the album well. Uh, who or what are the Rats? That you're referring to lyrically, those are actual physical rats. rats. <laughs> yeah, rodents. Okay, rodents. I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right no, to the no, 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 no deeper. Hey, when when I talk about fire, I, I mean an actual you mean fire. Fire. <laughs> I mean burning. It's not yeah, symbolic. Fire. Okay. Not symbolic at all. Fair enough. Rats fair enough. and fire. Right. Everything is just completely literal. I, w- I was wondering with the with the with the Papa Emeritus characters and and now Cardinal Copia and probably more characters to come. That's just a guess. Uh, is is there potential for for a, a film with all of these characters of any sort? You're a horror film fan. We know that. I am. And well, uh, that would seem a likely transition. Possibly. My biggest wish right now is actually to make a pinball machine. A pinball oh, machine? Yeah, that, that, Are you a, a player yourself? I love pinball. <laughs> oh. That is rife material and, for a pinball machine. Yes. And from, yes. from like... The amount of characters and like mythos that we have, yeah, that's a little bit more my focus right now. Really, just knowing that I want to make a pinball, a pinball machine. machine. Wow. We finally love that enough like fodder to sort of like <laughs> yeah. make that now. Yeah, so. a million bucks that I never would have guessed <laughs> that, that Tobias wants to create a, a pinball, pinball machine but out of ghosts. That's brilliant. Sense. Have you an play? entire rock career. Oh, I love pinball. You love predicated right. on, on a pinball machine, but that would work because pinball is it's it's a yes. Yeah. It makes total sense. It's a long way to the top if you want to have a pinball machine. <laughs> that's, that's, that. well, do you, do you own? Have, do you own any pinball machines yourself? Not no, okay. not yet. All right, but it's definitely. I have a long. Yeah. Like a purchase list of things that I want right. in my in my so called man cave. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So your your um your live show is very theatrical. It uh, so he's asking about movies. Um have you ever given any thought to actually creating a musical? Uh something that can be seen on Broadway. I, I have. Uh, however, I think it's 
the, the one different aspect of what I have in mind, mm-hmm. as as opposed to other rock musicals, is that uh, most other rock musicals, I mean, except for uh, Tommy, I guess, and and uh, a few more, but um, is that we're not technically a, an historic band, so we wouldn't be like a like a it, legacy. Yeah. No, it would not be a yeah. legacy thing where where there would be a retrospective of, right. of, of all of our songs. But I don't even songs. mean Ghost. I but, mean I mean Tobias Forge creating, writing a story and the music and, and oh, all of that, right. you know, a la Phantom of the Opera, but um, but more um, ghostish. Uh, ghostish, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I uh, well, th- this is where where I guess it becomes a little bit schizophrenic because it's uh, how I mean I am not like a big artist myself okay. yeah um i am a i guess a s- somewhat successful songwriter uh, uh, now but i i think that my um um what do you call it like my monet my value okay. is ghost okay and my writing via ghost and just because of of the imagery and 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 the the, the little bit of a legacy we do have i think that the 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 best way to explain what I would propose to a production company is basically a little bit like speaking of progmans, a little bit like Goblin. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Ghost would be like the composer of the track, okay. And we would lend maybe a character to play the main character. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have like Cardinal Copio or Papa Emeritus to play the character of this villain. Yeah. Okay. But still, you obviously, I'm, I'm, I am not a screenplay writer. I, I wouldn't, uh, I would probably not entertain the idea of writing the whole thing myself. I, I would probably do a story that I already like a lot, mm-hmm. that I would love to put music on, and then try to do my rendition of it. Okay, but with someone else, obviously, because it's a big endeavor doing a. a, a Let's just say that we are we are looking at the prospects, and we know it takes a lot of time and a lot of collaboration. Sure. And you're a little busy right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy, and we we've been go- talking about it for years. So we're 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 very much doing the political stuff right now and trying to to achieve that. Right, but that is still like four or five years in the in the future. Ghost is playing the Tower Theater. Uh, I wanted to ask on, a, on for a practical question and uh, playing these characters, Papa Emeritus and and uh, uh, now Cardinal Copia. Uh, the Cardinal seems to use less makeup. Is that, are you just loving that, that you have to do less makeup now? For me, it, it is not less makeup. It's, n- it's more makeup or, or it seems... No, about- it's the same amount of, okay. of makeup. It's and- just m- less colors. Okay, all right. <laughs> now, with that, because uh, one time I did my entire face up in makeup for Halloween, <laughs> and like five minutes into the party, this stuff's getting in my eyes. I'm sweating. Yeah. It's running all over the place. What do you do to keep that from happening? Curse a lot. Curse a lot. <laughs> Just deal with it's it. going to happen regardless. Yeah, no, I uh, believe me, some days I really, really hate it. With, yeah, with yeah. Passion. I'll bet you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's very complicated and it really makes life so much harder. And now with the with the cardinal, you, you, you put a uh, a thing in your eye. Right? Like a contact in your eye. No, I've always done that. Yeah, have you always everyone. done that. Yeah, with with, yeah. Uh, with uh, Originally yeah. it was supposed to be two, but I can't have two because my one of my eyes just Rejects it. it no really? kidding. Yeah, it'll it just pop out. That's why it became like that. Okay, <laughs> you have to, and you have to watch when anything you're screwing around with your your eyes with. Talking about the imagery, 
Um, and uh, you're, you're a fan of the the kind of the era of horror films that I am a fan of, the, the 70s and 80s. Mm. Uh, you know, and I, you're a fan of uh, Stranger Things as well, yes? I am. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that sort of thing. How much does that sort of stuff inform uh, your music, your, your love of horror movies? Uh, you know, is it just something that runs concurrent or do, do, do the influences uh, seep in a lot? Uh, the historical impact of, of all the films that I've seen is definitely, yeah. I could definitely, a, a lot of the things that I'm doing with Ghost specifically is very infused by my, my love of cinema in you- general. What's your favorite uh, favorite horror movie of that time? What would you? What's the? F- I have to ask the question. What is your favorite horror movie of all time? I usually differentiate be- between the films that I find cool, yeah, and I find the films that I find good, yeah, uh, because those are not necessarily the same things, right? I, uh, you know, I don't want to swear in, in church more than I am <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on a daily basis, <laughs> being okay. paid for, right? Uh, but. <laughs> But you know, I'm, I'm not going to throw anyone on under the bus. But but a lot of of the classic, well known, cult uh, directors, specifically Italian ones. At the end of the day, I must say that some of their works are more cool, yeah, than they are masterfully done. It's like Dario Argento or Mario Bava, uh, th- these guys, Suspiria, and things like that. I love those films. Yeah, but from um, if I if I want to. From a strictly cinematic point of view, where I where I regard like all the things that goes into a good film, not only photography and and and, and scenography and and, right. and story, but also the the idea of having parallels and, and and dynamics and and all those things that is important for a film. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, I think that the best horror films ever made were made by the big directors that hasn't really done a whole lot of horror films besides those. And that that, that is The Shining, and that's Jaws. And, and, and The Exorcist was William Freakin. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. you go. The yeah. Exorcist, like... And because, unfortunately, the horror, horror filmmaking is a little bit troubled by the same thing that I think a lot of metal is. It's written and, and it's performed and it's executed from such a fan perspective that sometimes the... The idea of making like a groundbreaking movie yes. is sort of lost yes. because you just want to make this tribute to the horror film. I agree. Section. Yeah, and that's why when you know Kubrick makes a a horror film, he makes a film. It just happens to be horrific. <laughs> yeah, no, I can. But see it goes that. with the same the same mindset that he would make uh, Eyes Wide Shut or Two Thousand One or, mm. or 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 you know. There was a special documentary recently on Kubrick that basically said exactly what you just said. Yes. He was not looking to make a horror movie. He was making to um, to create a movie that had horrible elements in it. Yes. And 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 tried to avoid common tropes in horror movies and and you know, but that I, I, and and that's how it becomes a classic. But it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, Eli Roth has a, uh, a great series. Mm. Have you been watching that series? It's it's, it's all horror directors talking about the uh, the state of the uh, the horror film now and and their past favorites. And it's probably something you would like a, a great. Yeah, deal. I've not seen the series, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. F- obviously familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah. So it's very cool. Um, well, listen, uh, Tobias, we want to thank you for coming by here. You're a very nice guy. It's very nice to meet you, and we appreciate you coming by here this morning. 
Well, thank you very much for and, having me. And continued success. And and, uh, and uh, good luck with the uh, the Grammy nominations and congratulations yes. on that. Thank you. Thanks. And enjoy your time in Philadelphia. Tobias Ford. Yeah. Uh, we shall take a break. Then we'll come back in just a moment. Stay with us. What's new? Glad you asked. The Black Keys. Royal Blood. Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. I noticed something earlier this morning. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, he has returned. Is the noticer noticing things everywhere down an empty alleyway across an empty field in a, I don't know, a parking garage. Yeah, something like that. I just kind of see that like three or four stories. Hey, so here's what I noticed. Uh, I noticed that Casey was uh, was seeking out some kind of an odor in the studio. Yes. And the elusive odor. Yeah, and what was that? What did you thought you'd, you'd smelled earlier? It, when I walked in here, it smelled musty, like almost like um Like a manly musky smell? No, like no, an musty, old... musty, not oh, musky. Mu- like a musty, like old... <laughs> Cigarette on uh, clothes, like smell. A, like a okay. really old cougar smell, mm-hmm. uh, but not before you walk through the door. No, because it was I, the first thing you said to me this morning, and I don't have the nose that you have, and I certainly don't have the, the nose that Kathy has. But I didn't smell it at all today, and nobody smelled it, right? I okay. was I was the only one who. Uh, yeah, but then again, you had just come in, so it's quite possible you had brought the smell with you. Possibly, but not that I you don't... were the. The reason for the smell. Well, the reason that I bring this up is because I saw this study that was done. No, you saw something. I did. <laughs> and, and it pertained to what Casey was saying, but one in 15 Americans smell odors that are not there. It's in our oh. nose? Yeah. Where else? What do you think? No, you, you smell with your it's eyes. like hanging out eyes. in there? Yeah. See with your eyes, not no, with no, your No, 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 no. I don't mean you smell with your nose. I mean, is the scent no. actually in your no. own nose? Kathy's no, no, no. I've seen her. Just, it's, it's, if something's fresh and she's checking it, she holds it up to her ear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It means that it doesn't exist and it's your brain. It's just... It, it, oh, phantom okay. smells. The yeah. same way you, you think you might, um, you know... Uh, Maybe see something that you're not seeing. Okay. It's another sense. So a new study reveals sometimes people (laughs) smell scents that aren't actually present. Researchers from the National Institute on Deafness and Other Communication Disorders. Is it possible to have things like a smell-rage? Like a mirage? A smell-rage. I like that. Uh, They looked at data uh, from over 7,000 participants over the age 40. Uh, From a three-year survey that ended in 2014, they found that while the ability to identify odors tends to decrease with age, which is true. Uh, phantom odor perception seems to improve with age. My, how, how are your olfactory capabilities? They're good. Mine are really good. And, and I can pick out, um, like, uh, you know, my wife put me on pee patrol in the house if she thinks there's, you know, a cat might have whizzed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I can do it. I also, and I, and I, to check it, I bought one of these blue lights they use to check for semen in hotel rooms. And that'll light up too if there's cat urine and everything. So I'm I'm really I'm really good. But a lot of times she'll see me around the house. She'll hand me stuff and just you know when she's doing laundry here. No, it's good. My grandmother lost her sense of smell later did in she? life. Yeah, did, uh, you did, know who, was her taste affected after that? Yeah, it was. Oh, wow. Okay, definitely. Was. You know who else has no sense of smell? RC. RC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is why he was able to do Casey's taint tattoo. That's right. With hey, straight face. I also showered that week. So, oh, okay. Uh, Thank you for showering. <laughs> um, my wife, for as terrible as uh, sh- uh, sinuses as she has, has a wonderful sense of smell. 
And uh, and it's got like so. I'm gonna make you smell so good. Oh, it smells so good. No, she. Um, <laughs> one night I was sleeping, and she had just opened the basement door. I don't know why, but and she smelled something at the top of the steps. Yeah, woke me up. She's like, I think something's burning downstairs. Well, there you go. You're mm-hmm. talking about something where I really vault into action, and I yeah. will go on around the house. That that lingering slight mm-hmm. burning smell. Yeah, and, and I told you guys actually it was just recently. I was in the house. The windows were open. I, I'd come home, and I'm like, there's something, something, something. And then what had happened was a small plastic lid in the dishwasher had fallen down and was melting at the bottom. Oh, that's wild, right? Yeah. yeah. So I had to, I went downstairs into the basement like a bloodhound, just kind of walking around and sniffing. And, and I, you're, you're, you're not good, though? You're, you're, no, I could, I could smell it. All but right. I mean, it's pretty wild. Uh, Were they that, escaped convicts? No, but I I was um, following the smell like a, like a dog would, and yeah. then, uh, I not not the tree, but like, a, like right. how a dog would smell. And I eventually I, I did find it. And what had happened? There was a uh, like a floorboard heater, and we had this little area rug that had gotten for some reason lodged under the floorboard Dude, heater. You could have had a horrible situation. Yes. If you I watched a, a special about, um, and believe it or not, it was fascinating about how dogs. Um, smell and, and they're they're not how they physically smell their ability to suss out things through odor and like when they can they can sense things that have happened in an area like a month later like they, you bring a dog like you're walking around down the street you think okay they're just smelling freshly to, no they can they can they're smelling weeks back and, and it's really a way for them to locate everything my dog like if, if my dog has ever smelled something in a park somewhere mm-hmm. She always checks that same spot again because she thinks, well, that it's it's going to be there again, or there's right. still a lingering smell. The amount, uh, uh, the way they perceive the world around them is so based in smell. If you ever see a dog out on a breezy day, press your dogs probably do it as well, where the wind is blowing. And their heads go up, and they're they're like absorbing the whole world, you know, through their through their noses. Yeah, I wonder that's why if that's why dogs like to stick their head out car windows. You know, I don't. Is it the breeze or is it the smell? It's like speed reading. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's wild that a dog can smell poop, right, and yeah. not smell just the poop. and eat it. Then, no, I know. <laughs> but I mean, it's the ultimate irony, isn't they, it? But they're smelling all the hints of like. Yeah, that's stuff. well. That's why they're, they're they they jam their mm-hmm. noses in each other's asses for hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the data showed about six point five percent of Americans age forty plus experienced phantom odors. You ever have uh, this? The researcher, I think I okay. have. Yeah, where you're certain you smell something, and you ask other people around you, you smell and and they don't. Do you smell Howard Hughes? And they don't uh, they don't uh, pick up on it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. probably happened. Before. My wife has a terrible sense of smell. Right. Her, ter- her hearing's not uh, that good either, but... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you keep her around anyway. I, you know what? She makes a hell of a sanka. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if... What? If, if, <laughs> is that a line? <laughs> it's like an old commercial thing. All right. But I wonder if, conversely, there are... You know, there's got to be people who don't smell things that are just there. That You know, like people with body for sure. odor, for instance. Like, how can you not... Well, there's, there's, you mean your own body odor? Yeah. I mean, there's nose blind. Yeah. If there's you're nose around, blind. If, if you're around it long enough, you don't smell. I had some friends that uh, loved them to death. But when I would go over to their house, it smelled. They, they, had, they, they had three cats, and I mean, that ammonia smell was oh. just pungent. And I had owned cats as well. So I knew the smell. I knew the smell. And when I would walk in, I'm like, this is almost unbearable. Mm-hmm. And they never said anything about it. I never said anything about I, and it. And you feel you feel bad because you now we have nine cats and we have nine cat boxes. 
I defy you because we first of all, we 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 I was there twice right yeah twice a day and just a, and this is a, a shout out to a great product I like to pay it forward Arm and Hammers uh, cat litter. Right, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfreaking real. Slide is the one that we're using. It's like the, uh, yeah, the song. Yeah, me too. It, scoot, right. So, but also, it kills the odor like nobody's business. It, do, it actually does a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, I think I might hire like a staff member to take care of my cats if I had nine cat boxes. And, uh, right? <laughs> you need like an employee. Uh, but I mean, I have, to, I to Preston's point though, that's where, no, that's where you become nose blind. You're living in the house, yep. you're experiencing it all the time, and then you just become dead to it. Yeah, but not, well, maybe after like a long, 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 long time, like we're talking years, but yeah. you don't go nose blind if you leave and then come back the second no, you, you come said, back yeah. right no no, no no you you can you're used you can. to the smell yeah. you can go out you, you go out shopping for a couple hours and come back you're not gonna go oh my god this house is doused in piss i just remember for people have been living in it, it 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 just kicks in and and they they okay this is what it smells like i got it yeah what if you were to go away for maybe like a month and come back you might get it i just when i was in the boy scouts we stayed at uh camp delmont they had a, a cabin and we stayed in this cabin, and it, Steve, it smelled terrible, right? Yeah. But once you were in there for a little while, it you became nose blind. You didn't you didn't smell anything. But there was a, there was no bathroom in the cabin, so you had to leave the cabin to go to the bathroom, so that you would leave and then come yeah. back, and you would have to go through that that smell all over again. Casey, I went to Camp Takwa when I was a kid, and my son went there this year. I went down to uh, get him um, set up and everything like that. The ca- the cabin smelled the exact same. Terrible. No, well. Okay. Uh, maybe, but whatever, it was nostalgic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I, it, if you had bottled it and brought it here, perhaps it wouldn't be the most pleasant smell. But for me, it's a, it, it evokes pleasant memories. Sure. So therefore, in my mind, it's like um, uh, like a skunk. You know, some people find it uh, putrid. I, I actually don't mind that smell at well, all. For, for many, it reminds them of a uh, smell like good, good weed. weed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like old. Tasty buds. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you guys um, uh downstairs on the third floor in uh, the Beasley Suite down there? Yeah. If you go down all the way down to like the west part of the uh, of the building. Okay. It smells terrible down there. Because uh, uh, I have to go well, down there every day. that's where the butcher day. is. No, no. I have to go down there every day to um, to deliver some paperwork. Wait, yeah. like where MGK Studios are? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and every well, time you open that door, that's where Debella keeps his gyro stare. <laughs> no, it's no. Old, to me, it's it's an old smell. It's older down there. The studios mm-hmm. are older. The no, there's like boxes and filing cabinets. The music's like, older. The people are older. It's just, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're old. We're old. Smelly people. Leave us alone. Oh, what I a horrible about. thing to say about our sister station. I didn't even think of it. Here go away. It's classic. Did oh, you man. bring us pudding? <laughs> it's an old musty It's an old smell. musty smell. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like know what? Somebody go down there flesh. right now. Somebody go down there right now. Like old people. Yes. Well, one in 15 Americans apparently smell odors that are not there. So it's, uh, it's a phantom scent, and uh, they don't know exactly why it happens, um, but they're trying to figure out why they do that and uh, find ways to prevent or treat the condition because it, it's important uh, for you to smell things, you know, that might be dangerous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm ready for the notice here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. There you go. Uh, from the notice series, he delves into his list of things that he's already noticed so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do it. Yeah. How about this? 
Another interesting one. Ooh. A new study finds the luckier you think you are, the more luck you'll have. So it's sort of a self-fulfilling approach. It actually says at the top here, luck is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, mm. so I have had this feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like a self, the vagina's a self-cleaning oven, as yeah. Tyra Banks told us. <laughs> I have had this feeling for the last couple of months that I am going to win the lottery. And I don't know why. You know, it, it stems from a dream. Not like a Powerball lottery, yeah. but like a scratch-off ticket. Okay. I'm, I just, for some reason, have had this feeling that it has not happened yet, by the way, guys. I uh, have not well, in Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool 2. The, the, um, I'm forgetting her name, the character who's lucky all the time. Oh, yeah, Domino. Yeah, Domino. Domino. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, I, I think you can affect, to a certain point, your level of luck. I think what you do is you maybe just increase your odds of being in opportunities where you can be lucky. Uh, it also has to do with optimists and pessimists. It says here that the study... Uh, was uh, they, they had participants complete the life orientation test. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like the SAT? Uh, revealed if uh, participants were optimists or pessimists. Next, participants rated the luck of people in ambiguous real-life stories as unlucky, somewhat unlucky, somewhat lucky, or lucky. The scientists found a connection between how optimistic a participant was and how lucky they thought others were. In other words, the more optimistic the participant the more they think others are lucky and the more of uh, a pessimist they were, the more likely they were to see others as having bad luck. Ultimately, researchers have found that two people with identical experiences may frame the same facts completely differently. Of course. And the way they'll tell themselves their story will dictate how they feel, how others feel about them and even their future luck or lack thereof. So you kind of make it what it is. Do you label yourself an optimist or a pessimist? Um, I think I'm an optimist. Okay. You know, um, I, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not overtly one or the other. I can't, I don't always err on the side of let's be positive. Let's see the positive in this. Yes. A lot of times my initial reaction on things can be a negative one. Oh, crap. Great. Oh, that's awesome. You know, uh, very <laughs> that sounds very optimistic. Yeah. Doesn't it though? Oh, this is awesome. But I think, I think more so I like to consider myself an optimist. How yes. about you? Yes. I would say I, I, with a, with a caveat, which is that, you know, I, 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 I'm good at saying at saying um, okay, this may not be good, but we have this. You know, I, I can always sort of look, I, I I will see the light in everything. I'm I'm a wonderful person. No, yeah. I, 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 just, I feel fortunate if that means yes, anything. blessed and all that stuff. I think I can see. Uh, you know, my, and my my mother kind of was very responsible for that in me. You know, she was sick and stuff. She still managed to always see positive everywhere. And I think yeah, there's as long as you're as long as you're your eyes are open. You're in the game. Keep going, you know? I'm going to be a nerd and make this about uh, Harry Potter for a second. All right. Uh, there's a luck potion in one of the Harry Potter uh, books. and Is it just a placebo? Uh, it, it, it's both. Okay. And so um, uh, the way that J.K. Rowling writes about it is um, sometimes it is a self-fulfilling prophecy because uh, Ron yeah. ends up not taking the potion even though they, he thought that he did. And he has great luck as a result because he he goes in confident thinking that he had taken the potion. Yeah. And I think uh... it's a really good way to frame that kind of a thing. Okay, that makes kind of makes sense. And the notion so. that you make your own luck, yeah. right? Now. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, and let's... even deeper from the notice. Yes, 
He's going into our souls, peeling back the layers, and showing us all we're all human. All right, we've gone a little deep. God bless the noticer. We went uh, we went a little deep on those. We uh, went really deep, like three knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Want something a little lighter? Something lighter from the noticer. Uh, how about there are a lot of different things I have here that are worth bringing up. Uh, okay. Tearing through page after page. How about this? Uh, there was a poll of a thousand Americans that uh, reveals uh, their travel bucket list and how they feel about them. Seventy-seven percent they actually they say they have a travel bucket list, but just three percent of that group say that they've actually visited all of the destinations. On their list. I would hope that my bucket list would never end of, of travel. Yeah, yeah why, why, you know uh, I mean? well, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, always want to. Mine's lifelong. Yeah. Uh, 52% say that they are likely to visit a destination on their bucket list. 45% say they are unlikely uh, to visit it. The top reason is it costs too much, obviously, because, you know, you're going to aim pretty high when you think about bucket list. Um, never stops the homos. That you may want to go to. Other reasons for not traveling to the destinations include uh, dreaming big but not following through. What's your number one destination on your bucket list? Number one. Well, I guess furthest destination uh, would be New Zealand. Okay. Um, and and that is, that's like, that's retirement uh, travel because it <sighs> takes too damn long to get there and it's really expensive and, uh, you know, um... But, I mean, it, every time I start to consider, okay, we got to start thinking about family vacation this year, where you want to go. And there are things like, you know, there's obvious ones like, well, we should go to Hawaii. But then I think about, wow, the American West, I want to go back and I want to explore that a little bit more. I've never really done much exploring in Canada. Um, Wally World. Uh, Wally World. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd like to go to Iceland sometime. Iceland. Um, Japan for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Iceland. I'd love to. Actually, I'd like to go see. You know, Russia. Iceland's not that far, though. No, no it's not. No, it's well, not. Nick's been there. I went yeah. in March. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, five hours or so. It's uh, closer than England. So um, it's it's very doable. It's expensive. Um, so if anybody's thinking about going to Iceland, uh, save now because it And there it are storm storms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wind is, uh, is a serious <laughs> issue. Uh, my bucket list for my life is uh, all of the national parks in the U.S. system. And how many I, are there, by the way? There are 59 or 60, depending on how many you count. Uh, the farthest one away is in American Samoa, I think. So it's like uh, wow. somewhere way out in the Pacific, past Hawaii. And there are eight alone in Alaska. And I haven't been to Alaska yet. So Whoa. that yeah, Bill Bill went to Denali last year. Um, it's amazing. And it, it is. I, I haven't been. Um, I've heard it's amazing. Uh, but Alaska alone could warrant multiple well, trips. Yeah. I mean, uh, Alaska is like half the size of the United States. So you, you could. And when you go to. Uh, there's a place called uh, Gates of the Arctic National Park. You can't drive there. You have to be flown in. They drop you off. And then a week later, they come back and they pick you up. I think there are more private planes in any state. Yeah. Uh, in, in Alaska, <laughs> yeah. there, there are more pilots in Alaska than in any other state. It was yeah, a huge state, but it's a big way to get around because of so many remote locations. Because you have to. You have to do it that yeah. way. Uh, you when, could fit Texas and Africa in Alaska. Not if Africa. You didn't put Africa in. If you didn't put Africa in. How about you? Uh, what, what's a... Uh, Japan, definitely. Japan. Yeah, Casey, uh, yeah. you got any? Uh, mm, yes, everywhere. I, I, but so you haven't really thought about it. No, oh, no. I mean, what, what about on a, on a more refined? I mean, on a bucket list that says that I've got to get, I would like to get to. What, um, what's in the I would like to get to? Well, Sheboygan. So, Sheboygan. Sheboygan. No, Sheboygan. I, I was the at uh, of Music. I was at Joshua Tree State Park, or I'm sorry, National Park 
uh, a couple of years ago, but I was only there for a hot minute. So I need to get back there and spend more time there. Uh, you, you mentioned American West. Like, I need to do Glacier, um, Yellowstone. That's actually Jellystone. I got to be a Jellystone. Jellystone Park is yes. great. Watch out for that Ranger Smith, though. Um, so, uh, um, uh, Big Sur. Oh, like, I, there, there's Sur. just so many. And, like, I, I want to do, like, America before I do anything else. You know? no, it's, it's certainly well worth it. I, I, right. I actually, I, I, I thank my years in stand-up for getting me around everywhere, you know, every state in the country. It's, it's, it's amazing, yeah. you know. Uh, there's still a lot to see, though. I want to drive across this country so terribly nude. bad. <laughs> no, well, yeah. If I had to do it nude, then, then I would do that. You know, I, I have a hard time finding those, uh, those locations that you... That you don't think about. I mean, I, I I always gravitate towards the obvious ones. And Nick, you've ended up like your last uh, couple of vacations. You've ended up in spots I've never heard of before. And then you, I see pictures, and I'm like, dear God, how have I never heard of this? You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you pinpoint these locations? <laughs> uh, just a lot just of asking research. around. Yeah. Or you just look online because online tends to send you in the same directions all the time. Right. And I think one of the great things about Instagram and one of the co- uh, curses of Instagram is that. People will post these uh, exotic locations that are attainable, and and, and you can get to them. Um, sometimes they become overly popular as yes. a result. So they're, they're really cool photos, or they're neat places. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ended up at a place called Maroon Bells uh, on my uh, Colorado vacation. And, Never heard of it, and, and most people haven't. And it's these incredible mountain. And it's a, it's not a national park. I think it's a national recreation area. It's not too terribly far from Aspen. Um, but if not for probably if not for some online posts, I I don't think I would have known about it as well. But I, you know, you, the way that I do it is I look at a map. Uh, I love maps because I'm a dork, and and I will start narrowing it down from there. And I'll be like, all right, I want to go to Colorado this summer. Here's a bunch of different places that I haven't been to. I and and for me, like when you start planning around national parks, uh, the other um, parts of the trip start to fill, fill themselves in. Yeah. in. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, even right in our backyard, like I was uh, during the time off, I was hiking a lot, and the Wissahickon Trail and all the various trails around here. There's some beautiful areas mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't, don't don't realize are just right in your backyard. When when uh, the day arrives that retirement enters my life, I when you can't I, smell anything, I, when I can't <laughs> smell anything anymore. <laughs> no, I want to travel. It's what I want to do. It would. My and, dad does. My dad's ninety. And if I were to if I were to hit the lottery like you're going to very soon, Casey, I would spend my time traveling. It would be so much fun. It's a big old world. It yeah. is a big world. It's and a right big now, country too, man. It, it's just expensive to get there, and that's the that's the issue. Well, so, I told you earlier. Yeah, it doesn't stop the hobos. No. Ride the rails. Ride the rails. Ride the rails. Yeah. You uh, and Ironweed heading that, off to Montana. That's what those van life people do. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they travel the West, mostly the West, although it is really is around this, the country. But they do it um, on the cheap. And you don't, it does not have to be a $6,500 a night place to uh, to enjoy what this country has to there, offer. There was some videos that they posted up, uh, the uh, the couple, and uh, they were at uh, these these hot springs that yeah. they'd, they'd found. It just looked, it looked like paradise. It was awesome. Yeah. I wonder if it's paradise all the time, though. Well, if, unless you can fit my big screen TV in that van. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to go to Joe. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Hey, Preston Steve. How are you guys doing? Good. What's Good. up, Joe? So we're in the summer. We usually spend two weeks, and we just travel around. So mm-hmm. this year, we drove from Minnesota, southeastern Minnesota, to Yellowstone. And yeah. And then Yellowstone up to Glacier. Mm-hmm. And then Glacier, the way back, we crossed Wyoming. And the way back from Wyoming... We stopped at this park called uh, Teddy Roosevelt State Park. Okay. It was like the, ba- the Badlands of North Dakota. 
Wow. And it was really awesome about it because we didn't even know there was Badlands in North Dakota. We, You know, the Badlands around uh, uh, Keystone and stuff like that where the, you know, um, where the faces are in the mountain. I always forget. Mount Rushmore. The name of it. Thank you, Round Rushmore. Yeah. Um, you know, they're in <laughs> Round Mushroom. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. I was not impressed. You, well, you're looking at Round Mushroom. <laughs> Turn around. Behind you is Mount Rushmore. Uh, <laughs> uh, look at that round. Uh. <laughs> so we, but it's really, it was really cool because there was um, wild horses there in the Badlands, which was really weird, along with. Um, you know the the bison and stuff like that. You saw you saw you saw wild horses. Yeah, Joe, yeah, I, I was that. reading about Teddy That's Roosevelt awesome. National Park. It, it's actually it's um uh it's a national park in North Dakota and it's split into two different locations. And the reason I was reading about it is that the two best places to see wildlife in the United States are Yellowstone National Park and Teddy Roosevelt National Park. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's Mount Rushmore? We and Mount and Mount Rushmore, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we. So that was the thing, though. We and it was great for taking pictures at night. The stars, there was billions of stars. Oh my god! I mean, places you know, like Monument Park, or you know, yeah. any of those things. It, it's uh, yeah, Monument it's, Mark. Yeah, Monument Mark. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. Remember, we. So what? The one thing about Yellowstone and Glacier is we it's outside. Fire and Glacier. It was. It was awesome. It was right on the lake, looking at the mountains. Yes. And then Yellowstone, we stayed at um, Old Faithful Inn. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, I've been to Yellowstone three times. It's uh, it's amazing, and there's but but I it, you know, and that's the big that's the crown jewel out there. But there are so many other little spots like the Teddy Roosevelt uh, location I was not aware of, and there's Mushmore. Uh, and and uh, Route Mushmore. Uh, someday. Yosemite. That's I, that's another one I want to go to. Yes, I've been. It's incredible. It was closed for a week. Uh, they're, for they're, painting, uh, no, no, fires, fires, uh, fires, yeah. No, but they. Uh, the thing about these parks is, is they've they've really become overrun with tourists. I know, and so, it's it's and too many animals. Yeah, I, I mean, come on with that. I, I felt the same way when I went to Acadia a few years ago. I was like, man, it's so, so crowded here. But when we went to watch sunrise on Cadillac Mountain. Afterwards, everybody went home, and we went hiking, and that was the best time. Can okay. I tell you how to how yeah. to get it open and get get it all to yourself? Start a brush fire. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, you'll see. It's just great. You'll see the crowds part, and you'll have it all for yourself. All right. Interesting. Well, that was uh, just a couple of things I noticed this morning, but uh, maybe you have a bucket list. Uh, no, sir. Has just told us about bucket lists, mm-hmm. and then earlier he reached into our hearts and made us better people. I try. This has been the noticer. We'll do it again sometime. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a second. WMMR. We're not just in your car anymore. Ask Alexa to open MMR, and we'll come streaming right into your house. And we promise, we're not listening to you doing stuff that often. First world problems, we've all heard the term before, right? You feel embarrassed to uh, sure. to say you're having an issue. Look, there are real problems in the world. Yes. But there are some things that are just a little annoying, and that's all there's to it. And, and if call- they're happening to you, they're much more important. And they call those first world problems. <laughs> But a new study from uh, Goldsmith University asked thousands of young adults about these little problems. And so they asked people in their 20s, and then they asked a number of people in their 50s what their biggest worries were 20 years ago. So there's a comparison. Interesting. Yeah. This might actually be a good survey. Yeah. So the differences between the answers were a bit stark. Now, keep in mind. These are young adults are asking now. We're asking people in their 20s, and they look in hindsight of what they think their problems were back then. They probably wouldn't have been the same thing had they asked them in their 20s when they were, you know, actually of that age. But anyhow, it's an interesting perspective. So the differences, let's get to them. The top five gripes of young adults today, okay? Number one, 
having to wait in the house all day for a delivery because there isn't a specific time slot. <laughs> I hate that. Yep. I who don't. Do- who doesn't like dealing that? with it right now? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're talking. You're not talking like like Amazon bags. You're talking like an appliance coming by or something. Yeah. Or a, or a, a service. service. Yeah. And they give you a four hour window, and you're like, yes. But I work. I'm during that be, four hour window. Supposed you know? to be home today in between the hours of noon and se- uh, yeah. seven p.m. I yeah. got to tell you something. That's the the rate of accuracy in these different companies as they compete with each other. Has gotten a lot better. I, I've I've not had to wait home for like five or six. That that window is a big. That's a full door. That's not yeah. a window at that point. Uh, number two, forgetting your login password. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this would be my wife. First world problem. Uh, three, leaving your phone at home. Uh, do you do that often? No, I'm surgically attached now, and, I, and I'm not constantly looking at it, but so much that I do. And everything, my home security and everything, runs through, you know, I can access it through the phone. So, and I have unlimited streaming present, but that's another story. I forget it sometimes when I go to Target and then I can't scan for the cartwheel. Uh, what do you do? She, right? How do you get by? How do you get by? She, yeah, puts a vest of dynamite on. <laughs> All right, here you go. First world problem, number four, no free Wi-Fi at the hotel <laughs> that you're Wait, staying at. I, here, here's the deal. The hotel doesn't give away free. Many of them don't. Many of them don't. And a lot of times it's the ones that are pricey that should be including the free Wi-Fi that's not. Right, Right, Preston? You're coming in, you're paying a premium dollar to stay at a place, and then they're going to charge you $12 a day for Mm Wi-Fi? And then uh, number five, the first world problem list, the buffering sign when you're streaming something online. Yeah. Exactly. So these are these are first world problems. And then I'll see what your first world problems are. Yes, yes. You want to share. Okay. Uh, here's one for me. A 15-second commercial for a 30-second video on YouTube or something like that. That was going to be mine. Oh, sorry. I, no, no, no. I agree. Thank you for bringing it up. I, I despise so the commercial that's longer than the material you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Stop it! <laughs> Pop-up ads. That's mine. Full page pop-up ads. Full page, where it takes over what you're looking at. And then slows down the loading time on the website. You're wrong. Tell me your village doesn't have enough food. (laughs) I have to see what's on this page. (laughs) On my computer. Come on. The malaria shots are coming, but I can't read this website. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so older adults said that they worried about most in 1997. Number one, having a happy relationship. Uh, Number two, earning enough to pay rent and bills. Yeah, I mean, those are perennials. Number three, whether they can afford a vacation or not. Uh, Number four, saving for their first home. And number five, when they got photos developed and most of them were overexposed. (laughs) This is what people Um, reflecting back on. I think these... Uh, no. Nah. nah, when if you yeah. in nineteen ninety seven when you were if you were in your twenties in nineteen ninety seven and you were asked then, you would probably give similar stupid answers that were I agree. You know, I agree. I, I I think this is sort of the proverbial rose colored glasses. Yep. I just worried there's not gonna be not enough love in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, nine, nine, so you were about nineteen ninety seven. Were those the concerns of yours at that time? So basically, you were at Y100. 1997, I was already 30 years old. Right. So I, I was... I was You're you out know, of that li- group. Life was progressing. So take and, it back a few years. And I started to worry about how home and, and, and salary and all that stuff. So taking it back a few years. You know what? I did I did have concerns about finding someone to fall in love with. Yeah. I remember that. You were 29 God, I years called, old, right? I called a freaking... 
I called a, an online psychic one time. Really? I would ever uh, find my soulmate. Was it was it that uh, right, Jamaican? It wasn't her. It, it was Young probably, man, what's your name? Miss <laughs> Cleo? It was probably... Yeah, Miss Cleo. <laughs> Cleo. I didn't what's get What's going on, sweetheart? You say you can't find the love of your life. You say your feet are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and that the ladies don't seem to respond. Uh, what's your name? I see here it says a Captain Blackfingers. <laughs> uh, my big concerns would probably be like... Uh, uh, not being able to be at the big event that was going on that week or something. Uh, you know, fear, uh, what is FOMO, right? Uh, or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, FOMO. 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 Andrew yeah. Cuomo. Fear, no, not FOMO. Andrew Cuomo. Fear of missing out. That was a big deal to me back then. Marissa? Yeah, funny you say that because my big problem this weekend is I can't find anyone to go to the Eagles game with me. <laughs> That's your first world problem? That's my first world problem. Where's your dad? 215-263-WMMR. Who wants to go to Marissa? Yeah, yes. Marissa to the... No. My cousin will go with you. He loves you. Oh, Georgie? Yeah. Hi, Georgie. Um, <laughs> a lot of people like Marissa. Are, are you out of your FOMO yet? Or you still have a little bit of that? I mean, uh, you never miss anything, but... No, I like, just like to go to things. Yeah, okay. I go to everything. Um, I... I, no, I think I go to enough that I don't miss anything. Okay, yeah. The, yeah that was really one know. of the interns next to me. I'll go with you. I'll yeah. go with you. <laughs> um, here's an obvious one that that I think is transcending a lot of different uh, age groups is uh, no place to uh, recharge. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. That could be a first world problem. Let me go to, uh, I'll go to some calls. Uh, I will go to Drew. Hey, Drew, good morning. Just like a runner's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said it just like a runner's hang. <laughs> What's your first world problem, Drew? So we have two refrigerators, and I'm cooking dinner, and I go downstairs to get all my ingredients, and inevitably, when I get back upstairs, I forgot something. <laughs> what? what? I, have, I have food in two floors of my house. What the hell? Yeah. You know, Where's this world come to? What's going on? Man has to walk downstairs to get his extra ingredients that he forgot the first time. Yet right. there's no news coverage. They're all focused in on the earthquake in Mexico. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. Uh, let me go. Does anybody else have two fridges here? I do. Yeah, we have, I, two, I have fridges. two fridges and a chest freezer that's not even plugged in. We have we have two fridges <laughs> and a freezer of which things have been in there for ten years that I haven't seen. <laughs> oh Why my do we have that? So, uh, yeah, uh, to me that was a sign. I remember growing up when we got a second refrigerator. It was actually a freezer in the basement. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. We have arrived. We have arrived. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We can freeze meat in the basement. Uh, well. we, we have three fridges now because my mom's moving in today. Okay. And she's using it as a TV stand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I have ziti uh, in my freezer <laughs> that's been there since my daughter's first communion in May <laughs> or April. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick will have it. Yeah, oh, he'll, he'll eat it frozen. <laughs> Whatever. Let me go see the pops. Uh, let me. <laughs> CD pops. What's he eating over there? <laughs> CD pops. Bill Cosby's the spokesman for it. There's always room for CD pops. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me go to first world problem, Sean, on the line. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Gadzooks. Gadzooks, buddy. All right, your first world problem, please. So I'm a young adult myself, and one thing that I cannot stand is when I'm going to go get gas, and I drive down a mile down the road, and I find cheaper gas. <laughs> my, hey, let me tell you something, uh, Sean. My wife is the same way. Look at this. It's fifth. It's fifteen cents cheaper. I don't really. I go I to the look. places I go because it fluctuates. Yeah. I, it's like gambling. Thanks, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Good time. Charlie's got the blues. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go to Mike next. Hey, Mike, how you doing? 
Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, buddy. Um, my, it's, this isn't my problem. It's every morning. I'm, I'm up before 5 o'clock. I watch Channel 6 News, and every day there's a commercial for California Closet <laughs> where this woman says, oh, I was so excited when they turned the lights on in my closet, <laughs> and they show this thing the size of your freaking bedroom with light fixtures hanging from the ceiling and a wall of shoes. Meantime, people are trying to get their kids out the door. They're trying to get to the bus stop. They're packing their lunch. And this woman's got a freaking closet the size of your upstairs. And it pisses you off, Mike, right? It pisses me off. It's tangled in front of your face every morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Meanwhile, most closets, like, you know, if, if you live in an older house, the the hangers don't even fit in. Like, you oh, can't yeah. fit the uh, hanger and close the door. Built, let me tell you something. My house was built, I swear to God, in 1750. Okay. And we have right. closets. I don't know what clothes these people wore. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, Mike, so my, my mom's house, the house that I grew up in, was built in the late 1800s. And they had to build new closets because the clo- like the closet in my bedroom was just this little corner thing that you could barely hang a robe in. They wore the same clothes from birth till death. Mm-hmm. We believe me. I live down the street from where Casey grew up, and our house is literally 260 years old. And I'm telling you, these people, when you look at pictures, they have all these freaking layers of clothes on. I don't know where they put them. They must have just piled them in the corner. They never took them off. No, they probably had like a wardrobe or something along those lines that yeah. they would hang them up in. Yeah. But uh, but the closet space, you know, my mom and, and dad's room. Um, there was just tiny little closet in the corner, so they had to build out a closet. Yep. Now we have oh, we, yeah. we, we moved into a house eighteen eighty, uh, but they, there is there are a couple of closets that I think that's where they hung their stakeums because ah. that's how shallow they are. All right, I want to go to Brooke. Let's see if this is one of your first world problems. Hi, Brooke. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, what'd you want to tell us? Oh, this is devastating to me. But okay. every time we miss a show, we another. First world problem. We don't have DVR, but if we go on ma- on demand the next day and it's not there, yes. I now I've I listen. I but people don't understand the importance of that. <laughs> oh, you watch TV. Oh, it's cancer this and cancer that, and no one links up the DVR. <laughs> uh, the the um uh, you you get excited. You I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. Preston, it's like when you say, okay, Game of Thrones. I, I'm looking for a new show to binge. Yeah, or yeah, and yeah. Then, or mm-hmm. you, you go two seasons in and you're like, where's the third season? Yeah, and yes. They, they sort of randomly decide not to include a season. Yes, I've it, had that happen. Frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke, I'm going to double down on your uh, first world problem. How about when you get a show on demand? And you can't fast forward through the commercials. That is the absolute definition. Well, they, at least at least they problem. warn you at the beginning. Hey, yeah. Certain yeah. functions may not be available during. Yeah, this. but you try anyway. You try anyway. You try you with pushing a bunch <laughs> of times. Like you, maybe they forgot. Maybe you will get <laughs> shorter commercials. You will yeah. get shorter commercial breaks. They're yeah. quick. They yeah, don't bother matter. me that much. But you definitely still try to fast forward through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, radio commercials. Commercials are incredibly fun to listen yes. to. Uh, yes, they are. Hours <laughs> are. Uh, let me go to, I'm going to go to Brian. Hey, Brian, good morning. How uh, you guys doing this morning? Good, man. What's up? What's your first world problem? Uh, when you pour a bowl of cereal or a cup of coffee, and then you go and you find out you're out of milk. Oh. <laughs> yep. That <laughs> one There's, sucks. I have actually tried water yeah. in cereal. Just to make it moist, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Nope, Chocolate that's milk. that's a disappointment. Chocolate you, milk, you. Ooh, thanks, oh. man. Well, you literally you start to taste it. You're like so, uh, frosted mini wheats or what? The uh, there's a there's a Kashi has a cinnamon um, cereal that is phenomenal, and then you, you start tasting it in the back of your mouth. It's like you, 
and then you have no milk. It's a, you literally want to bleed out in a tub. <laughs> I'm going to go to... Sh- literally? Yeah, literally. I'm literally. Gonna, I'm going to go to Sean. Hey, Sean, good morning. Where are the sausages? Where are the sausages? <laughs> right Where are the sausages? What's up, buddy? Um, okay, so the other day I had a day off, so I was sitting on my cat, my nice comfy couch under a nice blanket with my nice cat, and I had fixed myself a, a hot pocket, and I was watching TV... <laughs> And one of those, um, you know, starving. It, it's like the human version of the Sarah McLaughlin commercial. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. 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 It's a starving kids in Africa thing. And I, I took a bite into my hot pocket. And I was just like, man, my hot pocket is just it's too hot. It's way too hot. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know what the equivalent song is, but, you know, like, whatever song they had playing was just, like, blaring on the TV. Like, oh, I I hear you. And you know what? Those commercials, for some reason, go on. I think they buy like two to three minute chunks. They do. They absolutely do. Sean, my question for you is, did you realize at the moment what a first world problem you had? Or or did you just not realize it till later on? Yeah, no, I was cooling it off, and I. The, the game, you're right. The commercial's like five minutes long, so it took me about two and a half minutes to realize. I was like, man, this. This is a really ridiculous problem. Uh, no, but you know what would be great is a picture of you, Sean, sitting there, <laughs> yeah. blow, blowing on as as the, the, the family's in a ditch fighting off hyenas. Yeah, the hyena took that. <laughs> yeah. Or or Sean's problem is a pitch for like a Sean's hot pocket is too hot. Yeah, <laughs> you can help out, Sean, if you donate now. Will you? Slow sweeping movement across of him sitting there disappointed on his couch and his cat in his lap and his hot pocket. 25 cents a day. Yeah, exactly. Right. I love, uh, you know, by the way, why aren't those rates available to us domestically? Yeah, right. For seven cents a day, you can feed a family of 12 <laughs> right. a year. Really? Right? How come we, where, where, where do they have that here? Uh, let me go next to rates. Alex. Like, those are very competitive rates. Hey, what's up? Yeah, Alex, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, what's your, your first world problem you want to tell us about? All right, so when you're going down a highway where there's two lanes, and you're in one lane, there's nobody in the other lane at all, like for miles. Yeah. And then you get one car comes flying up behind <laughs> you, and they just tailgate you. They have plenty of room to go around. Sure. But it, irrit- it irritates you. And meanwhile, there's like third world countries where it's kids walking like 20 miles <laughs> in sweatshops. With, yep, with yep. huge jugs of water on their heads. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. And hyenas chasing, and hyenas chasing right. them. <laughs> Nary a hot pocket in sight. <laughs> Laughing at them. <laughs> I would say this, Preston. You have a second to relay your story from the uh, yesterday morning coming in. Oh, An- uh, another person who self a, a sense of entitlement on the road relaying to this story. Schuylkill eastbound. Uh, they closed the right lane near Belmont. Okay, so I'm I'm in the right lane doing, you know, just cruising along, cruising uh, uh, speed. And this is first world-ish. Yeah, this is. And so I see down the road the, the arrow saying, you know, the right lane is closed. You need to get over. So what do you, you do? Mine. So I get over. You get the, over and I get over the left lane. And I had lots of room. It wasn't like I snuck in or anything like that. And some guy comes flying up behind me. We're less than a tenth of a mile from where the arrow is. So he banks over into the right lane really fast, and then he pulls up, and 
we we are so close to the arrow, and there's no there's a car in front of me. Okay, so and not enough room for this guy to get over. Comes up around me, and then I mean he came within yards of hitting that sign and cuts me off right and zooms over in the left lane. I, like he was embarrassed to touch the brakes and come back and go behind me because he had uh-huh. already started in. And I was, I wigged out, <laughs> wigged out. I you immediately. your high beams and stuff like I, that? Well, I, I put my high beams on all the way and I leaned on the horn the entire time <laughs> for about a half mile. Good for you. And I didn't let go. And I was I was driving a car that had a lot of horsepower that particular morning. <laughs> so as soon as the uh, as soon as the the lanes opened up, I I let him hear it, <laughs> and, I, and I went up and around him and back around behind him, and I, I played with him a little bit. Oh, good for you! I just uh, the why ball. did you do that? It's a first world problem, it, but, but it, it is. But it was dangerous. It was flat out dangerous. And this just brings up something when you see that when you see that sign well in advance, and you see teaser signs to that move yeah. over then. Don't wait to the last second. I told Steve I was going to come in. I, I was I was like this close to coming in on the off chance that that guy might be listening to MMR and coming to Kevin when he was on the air and say, "Hey, douchebag, that was me." All right, just a, just a rub in his face. But anyway, yes, anyway. my first world problem here is a first world problem. Maybe go to Greg. Hi, Greg. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, bud. So, uh, what's your issue? What's your problem? <laughs> this could just be me, but, uh, like, even my chicken parm, I like my chicken thin. And when I go to Chick-fil-A and they give me this thick piece of chicken, I just throw it away in the trash because I don't want to eat that. I don't want two-inch thick chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You throw it in I the trash. I love it when I get yeah, the extra thick trash. piece. You really? Hell yeah. Oh, I'm with Greg. You know, it's, I, I it's, like it's, it's like, it's like, like it, so you say, like, <laughs> excuse me, you, you gave me a pint extra gruel. Yeah. Yeah, cut in half, make two sandwiches, give it to somebody else. <laughs> He gets He's mad. mad. I agree, though. As at first world as that sounds, sometimes they go crazy. Not me. With a de- like, you need mm. a detachable jaw to eat these things. I, when I bite into it, I'm like, ooh, I got a thick one. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sometimes thick isn't good. I like it. Uh, All right, Greg, you hate it. All right, thanks, guys. All right, man, see you later. <laughs> Cut it in half. Freaking give it to somebody else. You know what, though? A lot of times, like, people say, oh, you get, like, a, like a primo hoagie. Ah, oh, it's such a big. You cut it in half. You have yeah. two meals. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a gift from God. Uh, all right, I want to go to one more call here. I'm going oh. through. There's a lot of them. There's and people so many good ones. Uh, I, I liked I like the uh, number eight. That is about as first world as it can get. Um. Okay. Let me go to uh, <laughs> no, Jim. Oh, Hi, Jim. How you doing? Hey, man. How's it going? Good. All right, Jim. Lay it on us. <laughs> All right, well, I drive an Aston Martin, so I'm forced to pay for premium debt. <laughs> what's, the, what's the minimum octane you can use in your tank? Uh, like 92. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, do you God. really drive an Aston Martin? Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, hang on. Are you, high performance cars need. You have to. You'll screw them up. I, yeah, I baby one of my cars yeah. that way, yes. Jim, uh, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. <laughs> it, it just bugs me, though. Are you uh, filthy rich, tons of money? No, I'm not. Aston no. Martins are are pricier, but they're not stratospheric. Okay. Yeah, you can get a. Yeah, yeah. It oh, depends you on what model you yeah, get, yeah. but it's it ain't, it ain't cheap. Because usually yeah. when you see one driving around, like I'm Ooh. like, oh. Okay, if you want to take one for a spin cap, either a lot of them are in the Philadelphia rideshare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I Uber on weekends. <laughs> All right. Sorry to hear about your problem, Jim. Hey, All right, see ya. All right, anyhow, uh, first world problems, uh, according to this study. 
uh, include having to wait in the house all day because of delivery uh, for a delivery because there isn't a specific time slot, forgetting your login password, leaving your phone at home, no free Wi-Fi at the hotel, and the buffering sign when you are streaming something online. There is a guy that's on the line that he says he not uh, liking he doesn't like to wait in lines too long. We will have like a strategy if we go somewhere and we know there's going to be a crowd. We have a strategy so that we don't have to wait in the line oh, as no. long or so we can get yeah we can get in. You're can you person. share it? Yeah, uh, I or... mean no like whatever it is. It depends on where we're going. Like if we're going to an amusement park, it's like get there ten minutes before the gates even open, yeah. so that we, you know, oh. you can get in the ticket line. You can have your tickets before the gates open. You know. Oh okay. <laughs> no, it's it's, have... it's a plan, and I I I, uh, I admire that. I would be the same way, <laughs> because the stress caused by waiting in a line, yeah. just. It totally negates the joy of the experience. <laughs> Kathy, I thought you were going to say, and I see people do this from time to time, and it's it, it's crap. Is uh, is if you're, there's two of you, let's say you're in line for at the concession stand, um, they'll wait in separate lines, right? And then uh, whoever no. gets there first, yeah, right. Then everybody moves mm-hmm. over, yeah, right. All right, we all got them. Yeah, we all got these problems, so we'll get through it together. We'll be back in a moment. Like the Preston and Steve Show podcast? Check out MMR's other audio on demand at WMMR.com or on the MMR mobile app. The most hated jeweler in America makes it so easy to get engaged. Meet the beautiful, classy, and brilliant Krista. She's Stephen's most loved engagement ring and will dazzle. She takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant diamond in a classic solitaire setting. Meet Krista today, starting at under $700. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only. Free shipping and interest-free financing. It's so easy. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. The most hated jeweler in America makes it so easy to get engaged. Meet the beautiful, classy, and brilliant Krista. She's Stephen's most loved engagement ring and will dazzle. She takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant diamond in a classic solitaire setting. Meet Krista today, starting at under $700. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only. Free shipping and interest-free financing. It's so easy. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Files. And this edition of the Best of Preston and Steve Bizarre Files presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings app and use code ROCK to get in on the action. Two people are behind bars after allegedly running an illegal dental practice out of a bus. Man. In Miami. On the greatest dental practice, they're in a bus. Yeah. Daniela Solberin and Victor Bernal were arrested earlier. That was my burp. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Were arrested earlier this month for practicing health care without a license. Bernal was also charged with possession of drugs with intent to sell. I go to a great proctologist in a minivan. Uh, During an undercover investigation, uh, officials scheduled an appointment with Bernal for a dental procedure. They arrived at the bus, which was in a parking lot. Uh, Sol Baron had uh, diagnosed, evaluated, and offered to treat the officer. And that's when police moved in and arrested the two. They also sell hot dogs, Preston. <laughs> While police were searching the bus, they found a bag of containing various prescription drugs, including uh, lidocaine, uh, mepivacine, ibuprofen, and other dental products. Investigators are asking people who may have been treated by Solberin and Baronal to come forward. Yeah, okay. take a couple of these. Yeah, well, I, I, this is a stupid question, but 
Is it illegal to just do it? Let's say you were just doing it and not charging anybody any money. Yes, it's illegal. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I, I guess so. I if don't you, know. If you're performing, you're performing. You're to perform medical work on people without being, yeah, licensed <laughs> yeah, to do I'm that. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. What if you have a nice van, though? Uh, well, you have a bus with decorative cartoons on the side. Okay. I think they'll give you some leeway. Oh, look, that's a goat. That's adorable. <laughs> a Nebraska man arrested for DUI told police that he was driving, quote, like Ace Ventura when he crashed his car <laughs> into a tree early yesterday morning. <laughs> driving like Ace Ventura. Is that out the window? Yep. Yeah. Rocky Dumais was behind the wheel of a 2005 Buick Rendezvous registered to his mother at the time of the 1 a.m. crash. Investigators say Dumaez's car veered off the road and struck an uprooted tree, an uprooted tree in front of a uh, residence. The car came to a stop after striking a nearby retaining wall. Dumaez, who left the accident, uh, was subsequently taken into custody and processed for DUI. So, quick question. Was he driving like Ace Ventura simply to drive like Ace Ventura? I'll or explain. Okay. Dumas told cops that he crashed the Buick due to inoperable windshield wipers, which forced him to <laughs> a- drive like Ace Ventura. Okay. Uh, drive in the rain with his head outside the window. Despite that explanation, he was busted for DUI. Also, careless driving, leaving the scene of an accident, possession of drug paraphernalia, and driving with a suspended license. You've been there over the years, haven't you? Of where your, your your windshield wipers kick out, yeah. or you're in a snowstorm. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, but you have no option. Demise's uh, blood alcohol uh, was registered at uh, .137, and cops suspected that both alcohol and drugs played a part in the crash. Uh, he was not injured, but the accident caused about $500 in property damage. A woman went viral in Indonesia after she was recorded breaking past security at an airport and running onto the tarmac to chase down the plane that she missed. So she's running after it like a bus. Yeah. The woman was booked on a flight from Bali to Jakarta. Uh, She was scheduled for the 7.20 a.m. flight but did not make it to the gate before boarding ended. She had checked in at 6.27 a.m. and had been told that the boarding was time was 6.50. It's okay. I'm a limo driver. But even after three calls and a final call, she did not turn up at the boarding gate. Sounds like Pierre. In video footage posted on social media, uh, the woman is seen making a desperate dash on the tarmac towards the plane before she is restrained by security members at the airport. Uh, The viral video shows her trying to fight off the guards before falling on the ground. Uh, The woman was reportedly taken back to the airport and booked onto another flight to Jakarta. Well, if you've ever bought hair dye, you know that it comes with instructions suggested that you should do a patch test uh, for a couple of days before they plan to dye their hair. Uh, They put a small amount of the dye on their skin to see if they have any kind of an allergic reaction. Most people only open the box when they plan to dye their hair, so they wind up ditching that step because... What's the worst that can happen? Well, one 19-year-old from France named Estelle is wishing that she had taken the time to do the allergy test because skipping it nearly killed her. And I wish I had a picture to show you guys because her head swelled up like a balloon. Did it? Yeah. The teen picked up a well-known brand hair dye at her local store, and while she did do the allergy test, she only waited 30 minutes instead of the recommended 48 hours before doing the dye job. Shortly after she finished applying the color, her scalp started to itch, and then her entire face began to swell. Wow. Antihistamines didn't help, and she said that her forehead had doubled in volume. Jeez. And her head was like a light bulb. So, yeah, the top part of it got really big. It was really wild. Uh, She rushed to the hospital where they gave her more medicine and sent her home, but the reaction worsened. We're looking at it. 
Yeah, her tongue swelled <gasps> up. Yeah. Oh, my God. It doesn't look real, right? No, no. it does not look real. Her, it looks like a mask. Her tongue swelled up, making breathing difficult, so she returned to the hospital where she was admitted. They diagnosed her as having an allergic reaction to PPD, a chemical that is banned in makeup but allowed and very common in hair dye. Two to three percent of the population is sensitive to PPD, and now that Estelle is fully recovered, she's hoping that her story will bring awareness to others about the importance of doing allergy tests. Man, that's the truth. That you guys know, I'm allergic to the uh, the the height, the hair dye. Can use it. The beards. I, that was severe pain that I went through on that. You know what, so you know what I was wondering um, because I'm making another appointment for my eyebrows. Uh, if that because they use like a kind of like a natural vegetable dye. I yep. wonder if that would work for you. It probably would. I've been told that there are. Dyes that you can get that don't have this chemical in it. What do we yeah. use on you? We use the Nutella. Nutella. <laughs> the, new, the Nutella didn't work. My daughter still busts my balls about that. <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd try it. But at this point, I've owned the You're grape fine. for too yeah. long. Don't you That's think it would, look, would it look weird if no. I colored it? No? I'd, like to, I'd like to see it once, but this completely works. Kathy, I, are you going back to the eyebrow snob? I, uh, the eyebrow see, king. I'm be t- the king, I'm sorry. Listen, he's a listener now. He Shut likes- up. Are you serious? Don't yeah. talk. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're the radio girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Uh. <laughs> no, apparently a bunch of people went to see him after I mentioned it. So. Oh, well, maybe yeah. he's, he's uh, going to be a little bit more accepting. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going? Uh, I didn't make my appointment yet. I'm scheduling. You want to go with me? Uh, no. Uh, I'll I have to make special accommodations, remember, because you're not allowed to bring anybody with you. I'm going to give you seven words today. <laughs> what do you want to say to me? Yes. I, <laughs> one, love, two, three, coming here. Uh, I would like to find out if there is something that would work. So, let's, uh, well, why not? All right. And uh, there you go. That's what I got in the uh, B file for you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Live Hotel Philadelphia presents M. M. Barbecue. Saturday, September 25th at BB&T Pavilion. And now, through August 31st only, you can pre-order your MMRBQ concert shirt at the WMMR.com rock shop. Guaranteed delivery before the show. Featuring Jane's Addiction, The Offspring, and Cheap Trick. Plus, every ticket gets general admission for the first five bands. Dirty Honey. Dorothy. Wolfgang Van Halen, Aaron Jones, and Foxtrot and the Get Down. MMRBQ 2021. From 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Presented by Live Casino and Hotel Philadelphia. In the heart of South Philly. Game on. Steve sent me this story, a uh, local story. Uh, I feel bad for this little girl. <laughs> uh, it's from uh, Fox 29. Uh, 13-year-old girl. She's in Aston. Goes to school in Aston. Uh, brought a, a twisted tea to school. Yeah. By, by accident. accident. Yeah. Uh, her family said it was, uh, she had no idea that uh, <laughs> that it had alcohol in it, which I totally, I totally believe. Yeah. They, um, the, 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 the cans look. Yeah. It, it looks like a, kid, like a kid's drink. It looks like a kid's drink. So anyhow, um, this may end up, though, the way this has led to is yeah. she, she may end up facing charges. No. Yeah. They'll yeah. investigate, and it should be okay. I, I would think so. Her name is Kayla, Kayla Rader, uh, Ryder. I'm sorry. Uh, the 13-year-old eighth grader said that uh, some of her classmates asked for a taste because she she took it, she, she opens it, and tastes it, and tastes funny. Yeah, right? sure. you know what I mean. And so her her classmates asked for a taste. Oh yeah, let me let me try that. Um, so she shared it like she normally would, and uh, Northerly Middle School administrators called her after they got <clears> wind that she brought twisted tea. 
Um, and she said, uh, is this her mom? Her mom said, I, t- I told the school I took full responsibility because I had purchased it the night before. I put it in the bottom of the pantry. There were juice boxes there, too. And I will never make that mistake again. Uh, she was suspended for four days. <gasps> oh, wow. I, they well, I can, I can see that. Yeah. But they, they may take it to another level because um, she was going to, the mom was going to challenge it. Challenge the punishment with, sure. the, with the school board. And she said that they basically told him, look, take what we give you or we're going to make things more difficult for you. Oh, and a few that. days later, she was called down to the local police department. Uh, the, the girl was uh, in question. Her mom refused to sign uh, her daughter up for a program for first-time juvenile offenders distributing alcohol. Wow. <laughs> I, I know in school districts, though, if, if kids bring, like if they bring pot to school and they get caught with it, um, it does, they, the police are called. So it might even just be a protocol in this school that if something like this is brought to school, the police have to be notified. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I can... Uh, look, I can understand, um, you know, the four-day suspension. Look, there's yeah, other kids had alcohol take, you know. They right. was the other accident. parents, yeah. I got it. There's got to be repercussions, it, yeah. whether it was an accident or not. But the police? I watched yeah. the, I watched the video with the family last night. I was watching one of there on, on Fox 29. And, and the uh, it, it, it so looks like exactly what she it says. That was, yeah. The mother's like, I... You know, it's one of these cases, and it's a brightly colored can. And I the reason why I believe this is because I know for a fact... Adults have made the sure. same mistake my, countless times. My dad did. Uh, my mom came home. She goes to mass every single morning. She came home from morning mass, and my dad, who was a, you know, at the time was a deacon, was sitting at the kitchen table writing his homily for the Sunday mass, drinking a, drinking twisted, a twisted tea. tea. And my mom's like, "What?" I mean, so he had. So this awesome. is my dad, who is you know at this point in his sixties, yeah. who has had a few uh, you know alcoholic yeah. beverages in his time. Had actually been drinking this, so it's not only just the look, but the taste yeah. itself. Right? Yeah. Does, it's it does not. Um, it doesn't really taste very alcoholy. It tastes like iced tea. He had been drinking, and my mom comes into the kitchen. She goes, "Dave, what are you doing?" He's like, "What do you? I don't. What do you mean? What am Get I doing? Ripped right <laughs> the homily, you know? well, He had so no idea. Yeah. My uncle, uh, who does not drink, he doesn't drink alcohol. Uh, they they were on the beach in Florida, and a cooler was brought to the beach, and there was drinks for the kids, and there was twisted tea, and everyone was uh, down by the water in the ocean, and him and his two grandchildren were sitting up by the cooler. He pulled out three twisted teas, opened them up. They were all sitting. On the beach, drinking their what they thought was iced tea. The kids are drinking. The kids, they were little, and and my cousin walks up and she was like, "Dad, what are you doing?" He was like, "What? We're having iced tea." She's like, "No, it's twisted tea. There's alcohol in there." And they had to take it from the two kids and him. Could you imagine the people walking? Look at this white yeah, trash family seriously. here. Even the kids are drinking it. Yeah, but he, you know what? He had no idea. He's not a drinker, so he didn't even really know what twisted tea was. I wouldn't know. We were, I would forget what event we were at, and it, there was, it was an apple cider type drink. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't Hard drink. Cider. Right. Hard cider, yeah. Now, this was uh, on the level. I like, no, oh, that tastes good. Well, but, but I mean, but, and then I realized. Um, you know, the the uh, alcohol was so hidden in the flavor yeah. that I, that on my senses go up. Like I can like rum cake, I don't even like. Yeah, well, there there's a few drinks out there. Your your, your hard ciders, yeah. uh, the hard lemonades. You know, you have those root beers. Uh, they uh, they none of them. And the packaging have an because there are people who just don't like the taste of alcohol. But the know? packaging and the labeling case, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's like this. It's meant to mimic. 
Regular root beer or regular yeah. apple cider. Any of those um, those ones you just listed, Casey, all of them seem uh, incredibly and overly sweet mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know if it's the sweetness that hides the alcohol or, or not, but I... I can tell you that, that, that for me, that, Nick, that's what buries the alcohol. Yeah. That, it, that this cider was so impossibly sweet... That that's all I could focus and in on. I like that. And, and root apparently, beer. the alcohol level was high. In this okay, thing. yeah, and, and I like that root beer, but it's because it tastes like root beer. You know, yeah, and right, I guess right. that's what they're going for. But it's like to me, it's just if I'm going to have an alcoholic beverage, it's not going to be those. You know, when I was in grade school, we had to. There was a project where you got together as a group, and we had to do live commercials. We had to pick a product. Yeah. We had to do live commercials, and there was one group. I can't remember what their product was. I think it might have been chips of some sort. But their setting was like sitting around watching a football game, like, and and they had beer. I mean, they brought real beer in, and they didn't get in trouble at all. You know, Went they, to school? Yeah, they, I mean, it well, was this part is, of their presentation. She was a little. She's a little bit. I don't know. She appears to be younger. But no, I'm telling you, we were in grade school. We were younger than okay. her. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, I was in eighth grade when, uh, <laughs> uh, for one, somebody brought our, our teacher a uh, a bottle. I'll never forget. It was scotch. It's called Pinch Pinch Scotch. Pinch. Actually, pricey scotch, and left it on his desk as a gift <laughs> for the teacher. And he gladly accepted it. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a different time. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my god! Time. Yeah, I used yeah. to go buy my parents cigarettes. I know. You I know, know. They're, hey, so you, you, I... go up to Rita's and go get me a pack of Marlboro Light. Okay, Dad. Okay. A few people, yeah. are, a few people are texting in saying, "Nah, thirteen year olds." They know. They all know. Listen, not all of them do know, gang. Yeah, yeah. No, some, I, may, some might, but not my, all of them my, do. My wife was suspicious, but I'm like, I'm looking at this family, and I'm looking at what they're, they're saying, and the mom's like, pleading. Oh, my no. God. Yeah. 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 Dad's at, a cop, by yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at, Philly, what, the, the Philly, young girl's dad? Yeah, it's Philly police officer. Yeah, you got to look how everything was shaking out at the school. Like, were they in the closet hiding, drinking it, or were they just sitting were at the, the, in the cafeteria? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like after school behind the, right. the school. Yeah. Uh, it was right out of the I mean, cafeteria. What school everything was it, do we know? Northly in, uh, like, Sun Valley School District in, mm-hmm. in Aston. Um, yeah, I mean, you honestly, you have to, it's not... Everything's not black and white. You have to take everything into context here. And it was a simple mistake. Well, there's countless mistakes made made like drinks like this or things that you don't know. A couple of people texting texting and saying that uh, that she may not have known, but the other kids that were sipping it knew what it was and they wanted some. So maybe I don't know. But that's what you got to that's what you got to talk about. Yeah. 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 Hash out with the parents and figure out what all went on and what the stories are. Who was the first person you knew that got drunk like as as a teenager? Mm, well, my 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 sister me, probably your sister. Yeah, yeah. my brother. Probably. I know. You know, I if, know, if you have older siblings, probably that's a good chance that that might happen. I remember hearing about it on the bus in middle school, and and I didn't. I mean, you know, I, I would have an occasional sip of wine at family dinners and stuff like that, but I didn't have an alcoholic experience until high school. But I remember like it's starting to be quote unquote cool in like ninth grade, and people would be at parties yeah. and they would know about it then. Sure, yeah, that sounds about right. I remember the first party I went to and where there was alcohol, and I was like, oh, they're going to be drinking. It was Queen Bee's house. Oh, <laughs> really? I was like, oh, uh, we were probably, like, I would say, like, ninth or 10th grade. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, there's going to be alcohol there. <laughs> um, hang on. I what do I do? <laughs> but, but I want to go to, yeah, I want to go to people mistaking it and uh, and getting it uh, wrong. Let me go to Scott. Hey, Scott, you're on the air. Good morning. <clears throat> hey, you guys rock. <laughs> Thanks, man. What's up, Scott? Um, when I was in high school, my friend's mom would actually pack me a lunch because I drove her to school every day. And the one day she packed me a Natty Light. <laughs> by accident? She put a Natty Light in your lunchbox? Completely by accident. Wow. <laughs> what, did she, what, did she, what did she think it was? 
I don't know. Maybe like ginger. I don't know. <laughs> because when you, you I gave it back to her, I was like, "Your mom <laughs> wants to get me drunk." <laughs> Dude, she loved you. Yeah, man. You bring your daughter to in, school every in day. In fairness, you need a case in that delay to get drunk. <laughs> That's true. This probably what you know. It's still watered down. It's yeah. not really going to count. Um, so you gave it back to her. That's funny. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> uh, you know they they make all kinds of um, hard alcohol. Or I guess uh, soda beers, if you want to call them that, or something like that. Because I get these ginger ale crabbies. They came in here, and yeah. Some crabbies, ginger, I like those. ginger. Yeah, it's those really are good. good. So yeah. when, when and you can easily mistake even the bottle's brown, but you could easily mistake the the uh, the label on there for a soda. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. There's another Jack Cider. I had it. Um, I was at Shady Brook Farm, and they they now serve beer there. Like, really? Yeah. As you're like walking around, it was one of my fall activities, and I had yeah a Jack's you're Hard Cider. Your fall activities. No, yeah, <laughs> I need some. But it was it was good. Like it it tasted good. Yeah. When I remember when Zima has, vodka. I think it's, I think it's come right. back. No, so, not vodka. So it's, it's a, no, it's like, or whatever it has. Because I remember when that first came out. Uh, I b- believe it was my my next door neighbor who his mom purchased Zima, thinking it was like a uh, like a Fresca yeah. type drink. There's a story in my family, and I don't because I was so young, I don't remember it. But uh, my little brother got drunk on. Uh, uh, Vodka and lemon, oh no, vodka and orange juice Ugh, uh, at a, like a Christmas party because, you know, nobody's really paying attention and he didn't know what it he, he was. He he well, what do you think it was like? It's just orange juice. He, he, orange had, juice. he had no idea, you know, what it was. By the way, there's a bunch of texts coming in. Uh, <laughs> my, my nephew in elementary school took a uh, can of Bud Light out of his lunch bag thing that he grabbed a Pepsi. <laughs> uh, Could you imagine you're walking through the cafeteria, there's a kid cracking open a Bud Light? Yeah, and, and there's a bunch of these coming in and a bunch of calls, so let's go to these. Uh, I'm going to go over to Nick. Hi, Nick. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, guys. You guys rock. <laughs> What's up, Nick? Hey, so um, I went to Catholic school for, uh, you know, first through fifth, and my mom always packed our lunch. Uh, right next to the uh, first cans was Coors Light. I got sent to school with a Coors Light can. <laughs> <laughs> what, what grade was hilarious. this? What grade was this, Nick? Uh, it's either second or third. Second or third. Grade. <laughs> did you had a Coors Light? Did wow. you drink it? What's that? Did you drink it? Oh God, no! I gave it to the nun, and of course, I had the one nun that was the strictest. She was a religious teacher, and she did not laugh. Every other teacher nun at her. Yeah, it was hilarious. Got my mom on speakerphone. She did not crack a smile. Wow, it, I, I was terrified of her. Of course, of course, yeah. But that that the image of a second grader with a Coors Light in his lunch is Wait, hilarious. I, I, I was a fat kid, so I wanted to see what kind of snacks I had for today. <laughs> <laughs> Nick whips, whips out the silver bullet. A lot of this oh, yeah. seems to be Preston. Where also, in addition to um, the the look of the can, where it is packed in the cupboard. Right. Yeah, and also if you're in a hurry or not, yeah, yeah. you're probably just grabbing this and throwing it in there. Here, get off school. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Um, let me see. I will go to. Da, 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 da. Let me go to Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hey, what's up? Nothing. So, last year I was dropping my daughter off to my aunt. She watched her while I went to work. And she was like, try one of those new seltzer waters in my fridge. Can I, like, take it to work with you? I was like, okay. So, I went to the fridge, <laughs> grabbed one real quick, got my car, popped it open, drove from Ridley to Westchester with it open, take oh a sip of it, oh. get to work, put it out on my desk for a solid two hours, <laughs> drinking it, until someone walked up and they're like, 
why don't you put that in the cup? <laughs> oh, it spikes off <laughs> So you might want to put that in a cup. <laughs> since you're clearly, since you're clearly a raging alcoholic, well, why don't you funny. put that in a cup? I like how your coworker though. Here's what I do: I put, I put yeah. my hard booze yeah. in a cup. I have those right now in my little mini fridge. What, what are they now? They're, they're spiked seltzer. It's seltzer yeah. water with alcohol in it, and they're not bad. What well, kind of are they, yeah, what, yeah. What kind of alcohol? It's like it's a malt based. Yeah. Yeah. My wife the, likes the those. The can looks like a regular can. Like mm-hmm. you would never know it was liquor or alcohol. No, we're looking at it. We're looking at it, and it has. Uh, so, is the alcohol content pretty heavy? You, usually. No, but at like seven o'clock in the morning. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a decent amount at seven a.m. Yeah, like the uh, the twisted tea is five percent. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's more like than a, a light beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, right, had, thanks. I had the opposite experience. I was at the <laughs> Kenny Chesney concert last year, and uh, we were at a tailgate party, and I drank one of the spiked seltzers. I'm like, this is good, and so I went, I grabbed another one, and I'm sipping on it. And my friend goes, "Do you want one with alcohol?" I had grabbed the regular <laughs> seltzer. I was like, yeah. well, I don't want this. Are you kidding, <laughs> Kenny? I was at... Totally sober. My, I, I quit drinking for almost two years because of my migraine headaches. I wanted yeah. to see if alcohol was a trigger, and I just decided to stay off of booze for a while. And uh, my buddy Will, it was his 50th birthday party, surprise birthday party. So I brought... Everybody was going to be drinking, so I brought non-alcoholic beers with me, which I was right. drinking at the time, just to stay sober. Odell's? Social. Caliber, right? Uh, yeah, it was Caliber. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Guinness makes it. And so... And it looks like a, a real beer. And so uh, they had coolers, and I just put mine in the cooler... And I, in fact, I have my own cooler, a little soft cooler that I set aside. Now, that was my beer. And uh, so I'm going through the night, and I go over, and people have been drinking my oh alcoholic <laughs> beers. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're just filling your stomach. Yeah, wait. Nick, do you remember that Cheers where they uh, they lost their liquor license for like a day or whatever, oh, so yeah. they served nothing but non-alcoholic beer? <laughs> they were tired. Yeah. And uh, Cliff Flavinak, like, he was so drunk. drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, in the book, uh, The Girl on the Train, uh, she drinks canned um, gin and tonics. And I'm, I don't know if they portrayed that in the movie or not, but I, I don't know if canned gin, and that it takes place in London. Is that a thing? Well, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know if you can get that in the States or not, but it actually, the way that it's written in the book, it, it sounds really appealing. And I like gin and tonics. I just don't know if you can get them in the States. Uh, so, so what what can you get on that, like, on, on mixed drinks-wise in, in, in cans like that? Well, okay. uh, they have, like, little margarita-based ones, yep. remember? Mm-hmm. They, but they're a lot of times they're... Um, uh, they're carbonated. Yep. Okay. You can get um, champagne in a little can now, and sure. it's like a pink yeah. can. It mm-hmm. looks, you know, could look, okay. resemble something a kid might want. They also used to, ha- I mean, they still have, I'm sure, that, like the Boone's Farms were kind of cocktail-y. Yeah. Type of thing. Uh, and what, does Bartles and James still exist? No. Uh, no. Bartles and James coolers? used to dominate, especially on television. They had massive ad campaign. Yep. That we was thank at the you for your support. Yep. Queen Bee's house is what she was serving. Bartles and James. James. Uh, hang on. Let me go to Scott. Hi, Scott. You're on the air. Hi. How you doing? Good. What's up, buddy? Um. So I'm in recovery. I don't drink alcohol or nothing like that. Right. Um. I'm at my sister's house, and I tell my niece to get me a drink. I live an hour away, so I need a drink for the ride home. <laughs> and I'm driving down the highway, and I crack open the can of soda, what I thought was soda, and I get it to my face, and it's Coors Light. Oh, <laughs> man. Jesus. Thinking it was Diet Coke. No, it's no. the last thing you need. You're, You're in right. recovery. Diet Cokes are a silver uh, silver mm-hmm. can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And did, and, uh, did... 
she thought the same thing. I called my sister. I said, what's your daughter trying to do? <laughs> trying to give me a help? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. none, of it, none of it made it into your mouth, did it, Scott? No. As soon as I got to my face, I could smell it. I rolled my window down, and I didn't even care I was littering. I threw it right out the window. Yeah, we're, look, we're looking side by side, Thanks, it, it, except for height-wise, they're fairly similar looking. Yeah, also red, red lettering. Yeah. yeah. And, and the whole deal. The Coors Light can's a little bit thinner. Is it? Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, let me go to, I have Brian. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Good morning. Is this the Kenny Knight? <laughs> <laughs> I can put the voice on if do you Do it, do it. That's right, Brian. You're on the air. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, y'all. Right. Okay, so I was, uh, I was in fourth grade with my dad. We were over one of his friend's house watching, uh, football on Sunday. And, um, I'm looking around. He's like, what do you want to drink? I'm like, I'll take one of those. And I crack it open, and it's a Genesee cream ale. I thought it was cream soda. Oh, oh my God. God. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it's like reaching into a bowl of grapes and eating them and realizing that they're olives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, true. that's a good analogy, yeah. Well, I, I had to keep my pride, so I choked it down. He's like, you want another? I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll I'm good. Going. I'm going to go vomit now. Wow. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so my dad gave me my first beer. Your well. first beer, yeah. Nice. As a non-drinker, I'm amazed at all the, the various drinks like this that I've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Like that, like cream ale. Yeah. Apparently, you can still get uh, Bartles and James, too. They make them, and you can get them in the grocery store. Really? Yep, wow. still available. Okay. Uh, let me see here. It's, uh, Diana that we're going to go to next. Diana, good morning. Hey, you guys rock. Thank you. What's up, Diana? Well, my name's Diane. And oh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. My dad, uh, my dad and mom used to take us over to our grandpa's house every Sunday when we were kids. And he's very Italian. And every Sunday we'd go for pasta. And we were kind of wild in the house and everything. And when we used to sit around the dinner table... Uh, we used to have Coca-Cola. That was a big deal, you know, having our Coke for dinner. Yes. And we used to pour red wine into our Coke glasses, and we were, like, stoned out of our minds every Sunday. Your so- grandfather would do this, and how old were you, Diane? Maybe mm, eight, ten. Wow. So, uh, unbeknownst to you, he was spiking your Cokes with wine, or were you aware not- of it? Yeah, I was aware of it, but I didn't really know, you know. <laughs> Like what it was or whatever, and my parents knew too. And we just sat there nice and quiet and just stared at each other every Sunday. And, yeah, that, yeah, because <laughs> you're yeah, you're all getting ripped. Sunday fun day. Yeah, <laughs> wow. But there are some families where, like, my, you know, Thanks. Italian families I I've known growing up with it, they would have some, you know, sure. some vino or whatever. Yeah. You know, and the kids would have a little bit as well. I, it's we, all part of the deal. My dad would uh, do the old here. You know, can I have a sip of your beer? Dad? Yeah, sure. Here yeah. you go. Here goes on. Can I sleep with mom? Yeah, <laughs> you know, things like that. Things the kids are inquisitive. Yeah, at a certain point, you become too old for that, and, and dad doesn't allow that anymore. But when you're younger. Because it was the same thing for me when I was like eight or nine. Yeah, here, yeah. don't tell your mom. And then after a little while, I was like, no. Well, the thing that's, that set me in motion, you know, for not drinking or ever, you know, being drunk, uh, I was at a neighbor's party. And I was seven or eight. And we, there was a bar down there. And they, they started pouring full glasses of cream de mint. Ooh, yeah, and I, I drank, and I vomited green. And <laughs> yeah. I remember that in, that image was. Yeah, you're not supposed to drink that stuff straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, it's I did. Nasty. I drank about seven <laughs> ounces of it. Um, but uh, I, you know what? Uh, the part of the the here have a sip of this. I think is also. Uh, 
you'll see how bad it tastes. Yes. You won't want any of it because and it's it works. It's an acquired taste. It works for me. Yeah. Of, uh, beer, anyhow. Um, so yeah, I, I remember know. drinking on the beach one time. I was probably about fifteen or sixteen, and I wasn't really a drinker in high school. I gagged. Every single sip, it tasted. Now, granted, it was also warm. Yeah. Warm Milwaukee's best, but oh, every God. single sip, I was like, "Oh, bar. I'm gagging from the description of <laughs> the beast. Warm cans of the beast. Just warm. Can you bo- get this to a boil? That's nasty. Uh, let's go over to Corey next. Hi, Corey. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. What's up, Corey? Hey. Um, so a few years back, I was on a cruise. And my younger cousin, he was about 12 years old, and he was complaining about a stomachache because we were on one of those excursions that take you to go snorkel on a reef. Right. And so my mom offered to go grab him a ginger ale from the bar. So he goes up, asks for a ginger ale, gets a cup, no problem, drinks it, asks for another one because he's still feeling kind of upset, gets another glass. My mom goes back up to the bar and asks for a margarita, and bartender poured him the or poured her the exact same thing. So, oh, this kid was slugging margaritas. Twelve <laughs> years old, he got back on the ship absolutely trashed. Oh my god! So the, the, the bartender didn't speak English for the rest of the day. No, oh, the bartender funny. didn't speak a word of English. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. And margaritas are sweet enough, and if it's not yeah. got a lot of tequila in it, you could get you could by. you could yeah. probably drink yeah. it and not realize you're but, you're you're drinking booze. There's not a lot of taste difference between a virgin daiquiri and a rum daiquiri, you know. Right. And so like, mixed drinks like that, it, they're easy to mistake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's getting ripped. I know it's I know it's wrong, but it's also hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyhow, I'm I'm curious as to uh, how this is going to play out and what the what the whole story is behind the story of uh, this girl in Aston, 13 year old. She might be facing charges with the police. I don't know, but they'll investigate it like yeah. Kathy yeah. So they'll they they'll figure it all out. All right. Anyhow, thanks for your calls. Appreciate it. We got to take a break. Stay with us. M.M. Barbecue 2021. It's an entire day of everything that rocks with M.M.R. And eight of our favorite bands. Jane's Addiction. The Offspring. Cheap Trick. Dirty Honey. Dorothy. Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen. Aaron Jones. And Jackson's Local Shots. Foxtrot and the Get Down. MM Barbecue 2021. Saturday, September 25th. BB&T Pavilion. Tickets on sale now via Ticketmaster.com. Lawn tickets start at just $25. Details at WMMR.com. This story was making the rounds yesterday. I caught it a couple of days ago, but it's it's come through now. <laughs> An upstate New York couple got so fed up with their unemployed 30-year-old son's refusal to leave the nest, they finally sued to evict him, and they won. <laughs> the what? judge oh God, what? sided with the family. And uh, I agree, reading the story, absolutely. How old did you say? 30. 30, yeah. So Mark <laughs> and uh, Christina Rotondo... Uh, were forced to make the extreme parenting measure after giving their uh, layabout millennial boy Michael cash for moving expenses, pleading with him to get on with his life, and finally <laughs> sending written legal notices demanding that he grow up and move out. 
He needs uh, to find an Italian mom and dad because they never kick their kids out. forever. <laughs> or Casey's mom, who was yeah. like, Casey was, was, gonna, was about to move out as an adult finally. And, she was sad. And she right? said, you know, you can, you can stay here. <laughs> Forever. Forever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Forever and ever and ever. Uh, so here's... But I was working. I was gainfully employed. This guy, this is guy not, doesn't even have a job. This well, guy he, might as well be an 11-year-old. He huh? claims that he does. So so they sent him a letter. They actually got him, sent him a letter. The first one was dated February 2nd. It said, Michael, <laughs> after a discussion with your mother, we have decided that you must leave this house immediately. And it concludes by saying, you have 14 days to vacate. We will take whatever actions are necessary to enforce this decision. And then they later offered Then they offered him $1,100 to help find a place to stay. They gave him parental advice, including organize the things you need for work and to manage an apartment and sell the other things that you have that have any significant value. And then they even implored him to start making money. They said there are jobs available even for those with poor, with a poor work history like you. Get one. You have to work. But nothing moved Michael from his uh, failure to launch, and that is until an equally fed-up judge's ruling on Tuesday forced him to accept adulthood, and he was pissed off about it. Didn't he represent himself in he court? Did. He did. Which, Which is always a good move. Well, no, the judge was actually impressed with him. What, really? He was, yes. So he had said, but after the judgment, he said, it's really unfair to me and really outrageous. Uh, he's a self-described businessman, by the way, who has a young boy of his own, of whom he lost custody. He said, I really don't want to stay there. Uh, this was him telling the Post from uh, a bus after his life-altering court loss. He said, I've been trying to leave there for a long time. They stopped feeding me. <laughs> They cut me off the family phone plan. I uh, said about tough love. I don't think trying to destroy somebody is tough love. Uh, the family feud boiled over on May 7th when the mom, Christina, filed the suit seeking to evict Michael from their modest residence. Uh, the son, who turns 31 in July and has lived at home for the past eight years, has declined to uh, go even after a series of eviction letters they sent him between February 2nd and March 30th. So I guess he was away for a while, and then he moved back home. So if you figure, all right, maybe he moved out when years. he was 18 or 19, or let's say. So he, got, he, got, he, got, so he gets he got married, or he's had a kid. Well, he came back when he's 22, because he's 30 now. Right. He's been there for eight so years. So he's only been away for, at most, four or five years yeah. of I, his 30 years? I went away for... Uh, Three years, I think, and then I moved back home because I, I'd moved, not out of state, but I moved several hours away, and then I had a job back in my hometown, and I moved back into my parents' house, and I lived there for about a year, something like that, Yeah. yeah. and then I found an apartment and got out on my own, but I did return to the house to live well, as an adult for a little while. How old while. were you? I was 25, Okay, something like that. I moved back in with my parents when I got divorced. Okay. Like oh, that's Like three right. years ago. Yeah. That was hard. Was it? <laughs> well, it, I assume, right? Following the pride and living with your parents at 38, 39 years old was, was a challenge. Yeah, my parents are awesome. I love them. And, and it, for, as far as situations like that go, it, it was the best possible. But, I mean, it's just no matter how old you are, as an adult, living with your parents is challenging. And I think that reminds you and kind of, like, speeds you up in oh, the process. Yeah. I mean, mine wasn't like that. But after college, same thing. I went back for a few years, and it wasn't... 
like it used to be. You're like, okay, wait a minute. I'm an adult. I'm living by their rule. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Time to go. I got to get out of here. Yeah, and it's really nice to be around your mom if she's a good cook and things like that. You know, I, there are positives, and you save some money and things like that. But it's you're an adult. They're an adult. And it's uh, yeah. eventually there's going to be conflict. I was just talking to Nick Murphy about when I got to visit my dad in uh, Texas with he and, and uh his, uh, his girlfriend has been with him for decades. I consider her a, a second mom. Uh, I get a hotel. Yeah. I, 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 because yes. I, I, because I, I, A, I feel like I'm an imposition. But then when, you know, situations force you to do that, you, you do have to sort of swallow your pride. But at this point, this guy. So what's his occupation, Preston, that he was not, that he was uh, not uh, generating enough capital to move out? Mara, the meatloaf! <laughs> Uh, I don't know. He hasn't indicated. Yeah. Uh, he said he's got a, he, he uh, owns a business or runs a business and, and he doesn't say what it is. So uh, they actually, they sent him some eviction letters and each was signed, and this was between February 2nd and March 30th, and each was signed coldly, Mark and Christiana Rotondo. Mom! Uh, one, one later. Mom, the meatloaf! Mom, your meatloaf is so good. Uh, one letter dated February 13th to Michael Joseph Rotondo says... He's hereby evictive, evicted effective immediately. You have heretofore been our guest, <laughs> and there is no lease or agreement that gives you any right to stay here without our consent. Uh, when they offered their son cash in a letter sent later in February, he actually took it, but he used it to pay bills instead of move out. Uh, in the final letter, <clears throat> well, there was one that was March 5th, uh, 2018, that said you have 11 days to vacate. And in the final letter, the parent said, uh, they will even pay for uh, to fix his broken Volkswagen Passat. So he's got a broken car. He's up a Passat too. man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Michael only dug his heels in further after his mom sued. Acting as his own attorney, he filed a motion to get his parents' uh, case tossed by claiming that they were legally required to give him six months to get out. And on Tuesday, the judge, Donald Greenwood, ordered the parents' lawyer, Anthony Adorante, uh, to draft an order outlining terms of the eviction but allowed Michael to remain at the home until an official eviction date is set, the son said. Now, Greenwood actually applauded Michael for his legal research in the case, but he blasted his demands for six more months as outrageous. So he was kind of impressed with the work that so, he actually did for this, and you could be applying that to a law school! To real work, you know? Jeez, unbelievable. It's like, it is like the... Um the, the was it the Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey movie Failure to Failure to Launch isn't that it? I didn't mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, yeah, where he's at home and they just they want him to leave. Uh, Michael said that he resides in a bedroom located near his mom's master bedroom in the home, while his dad mostly stays in the basement. Oh my God, what a nightmare existence! So the parents are not uh, all that tight. I don't know. Or he, has he driven them apart? He said it's not that big of a deal. We just don't communicate. Uh, and uh, in court papers, he said that he runs a six. Successful business, but he declined to say what it is. It must be so successful that he can't repair his Passat. He said, I have money, I have income, I have plans to not stay with them anymore, just not today, not in 30 days. I can't imagine I'll be there in three months, he said. And he also claimed that his parents are forcing him out as retaliation for not allowing them to see his child before he lost custody himself last September. Uh, however, he says he'll comply with the order so long as it doesn't force him out within the next 30 days. He said, I want three months. I think that's reasonable. Uh, he said he briefly saw his parents once he got home Tuesday. He said they were quiet. It's awkward. <laughs> do, you, do you know any? Uh, do you know? You do? Yeah. All well, right. I mean, I just, I, I've met this person on a few different occasions okay. where it's, um, you know, what's really, uh, what's really hard for him is it's not his son. It's his 
daughter's boyfriend. And living with them, yeah. All right. And the problem is, uh, he has a job, but he's like older, and and he wants how old? In like thirty, you know, he, he's getting there. And what he wants for him is just to have a desire to provide or or anything. But you know, he's just <laughs> or he anything. He's just comfortable. Oh, and man. this particular, and and this is like you know, and I can understand that because I have a daughter. That's Will Ferrell. I, I, yeah. I have a daughter, and it's like, dude, if you're going to be with my daughter, like, I need you to, yeah. like, prove that you can support, support, or Absolutely. do something. Not work at this retail store part time and play video games for forty hours a week or more. Yes, yeah, that's not a good prospect. No. Also, yeah. why doesn't he tell him it's time to go? It's I, not even his son. Yeah, I, I guess he doesn't want to, to piss off the daughter mm-hmm. and cause a rift that will perhaps be irreparable. And if you've only got a part-time job, uh, get another part-time job. Get another yeah. job. You Especially can, you can juggle two part-time yeah. jobs. Well, it cuts into video game playing, That's Preston. true. That's true. I mean, uh, come on. Link uh-huh. isn't going to find things on his, on his own. Uh, let me go to Andrea. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, what's up, Andrea? All right. Well, I um, I was I, I graduated college and came home um, after school, and there was I was living with my parents and I was working, but I was like spending nights out doing like the normal thing. And I guess I was just it was too stressful for them. I, they were worried or whatnot. But I came home one day and they asked me to come look at the computer with them. And sure enough, it was houses for sale. Like they had told me, it is it's time to go buy your own home. We can't handle it. Wow. And it was. It was totally sweet. They were very supportive, and now we live across the street from each other. Uh, they bought. They they showed you a house that was right across the street. Well, no, I moved, uh, and, and then I ended up going to Germany. Steve, we met the other weekend at the uh, prostate for cancer. Uh, oh, at the bottoms up event. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So, Andrea, how, how long did you come back and live at home before they they gave you this uh, this sort of ultimatum? What? It was not that long. It was like a summer. But I guess it was just too stressful for them. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you. I think you were still within, I, I think, acceptable yeah. parameters like there. Even, especially if you're coming back yeah. and you're making an effort to to have, to build a life. I think a year is not a ridiculous amount of time for everybody to hang on. Let me let me get my bearings. Let me get my footing. And then, yes, I will get a place. And I'm working and I'm saving. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My father, at a certain point. His when my mom passed away, my father's job was in Dallas, yeah. and uh, had been, and he would commute, and it was you know when, when my mother was sick, he it was you know more local to Long Island, which is where we were living at the time, but he basically said, hey, <laughs> guys, love you, but I want to live, you know, I, I'm I'm going to Dallas. He he set in place some things to help, to assist us, but that was it. It's like sink or swim. Yeah, yeah. Let me go to I have Scott next. Hey, Scott. Good morning. There it is. There it is. All right, what's up, bud? Hey, you know, I I, I graduated college. Uh, It was similar to Andrea's story, but uh, I I was in the process of buying a house. I was like a week away from settlement, and the deal fell through, unfortunately, which it happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my mom kind of came to me and said, well, you know, you still have to move. (laughs) Wow. Okay. How does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty. I was like, okay, and I mean, I'm sure push came to shove. I, I probably could have stayed a little longer, but just that pressure alone, you know what I mean? I don't know how this guy faced it. Yes. Well, so so what'd you do? What'd you end up doing? 
I ended up renting a place with my buddy in the city, which wasn't ideal. I was trying to buy something. Yeah. But, you know, it, I ended up having a good time. But. And, 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 and then how long did that last before you eventually bought something? Uh, about two and a half years. Two and a half years. Wow. Yeah, it really, it really it set me back, you know yeah. what I mean? But you, you actually had you had a plan. You were yeah. there were some road uh, blocks along the way. This guy's like, uh, what, despite his protestations, it's clear yeah. he was fine. I could Im- I could imagine though, Scott. So you, you're all set to settle on it, falls through, and then all of a sudden your parents say, "Oh well, you got to move," and then you move all your crap, <laughs> and you don't want to move anywhere again anytime soon. So you probably stalled on looking for a place. Yeah, that was exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I had kind of. It was like a mental thing too, you know. I had given up and and that whole thing, and right. I, you know, I said, "Well, let me let me just have fun for a while." But okay. I mean, just like I said, just the pressure of my mom telling me, "Well, you still got to go." I, I don't know how this guy was able to take it. Yes, yeah. especially when your parents are pissed off at you. Yeah, you feel like crap to begin with. But I, it's some people do not have that sort of thanks, God. freeloader gene. That, yeah. that should kick in and tell you you've overstayed your welcome. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm wondering where, where I'll be with my kids on that and if they, you know, <laughs> will just want to, hey, I got it pretty good here. Yeah. I think I'm just going to hang for a while. Do you, know, do, you think, do you think that going away to college speeds up the desire to move out of the house? Yeah, because I think, well, at least for me, when I came back was when I was like, I can't stay here. Right. Yeah, you have that, you have that taste of freedom. Yeah, you know what I'm you know, yeah. yeah, my wife was the same way. Like she, the only time she went home was um, between freshman and sophomore year of college, and then after that, she was out. That was it. Like she, because she lived in New Jersey, went to school here in Philly, and then so she hadn't been home since she was 19. So once you get the taste, as yeah, as Kathy mm-hmm. was saying, yeah, you're. Yeah. You I can, would think so once you get that independent lifestyle and, and you figure out how it works. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's slightly a slightly um, nuanced take on the real world yeah, because yeah. you have there is a structure there, but you do have your freedom. Yeah, I, I mean, I think my major thing was that um, my parents let me come and go as I please. A and B, I didn't make all that much money, uh, you know, in my yeah. early twenties. So you know, mm-hmm. staying at home, I, it wasn't a necessity. But did, did you pay rent? Uh, no. Did you pay for any food? No. Okay. No, neither did I. Yeah. I didn't even do my laundry. <laughs> but it was... <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, did, I... did they do the, the choo-choo train with the food? Show me how the piggies do it. Who's a piggy? Who's a thirty-year-old man living at home? Give mommy kisses. Hang on, let me go to. I have Stevo. Hi, Stevo. You're on the air. Good morning. Or is it just Steve? Or is, or is it, it Stevio? Uh, Stevio? 33. Oh, you're talking, living... you're talking to Scott, though. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Not my fault. Sorry, Steve-O. Hang on the line. We'll go to Scott next. Hey, Scott, you're on the air. Hello? Yeah. What's up, bud? Yeah, I think I got that 30-year-old guy uh, that was on the news beat. My uh, sister-in-law is 35, living at home uh, with her four-year-old son. Uh, refuses to leave, won't get a job, stays up all night, don't take her kids to school, he's four. But, you know, the crazy thing is she gets state assistance that pays for an apartment and all the utilities, and she lets her boyfriend stay there when she stays at home. 
will not leave her mom at all. Well, she's that's that almost that that almost morphs or or crosses a line then into like criminal behavior. Yeah, because but this the, the simple sort of lovable. You know, but it's time to move on thing has become a lot darker with this situation. Yeah, is she drug dependent, Scott? Listen, what's that? Is she drug dependent? No. No, no drugs, alcohol, nothing. I mean, she Can you get her on drugs? <laughs> because when you're not drug dependent and yeah. you're in that situation, you go... What? what is wrong with you? Yeah. It's like if you're hooked on some sort of drug. Her mom takes care of her son. She's so lazy. She doesn't do nothing with this kid. Her mom does it all. I mean, that's that's abusive to the kid. Yeah. And it's... And what she's going to do is she's going to drive her own mother into an early grave. And that's that's somebody who doesn't have the ability to look into to look seriously into the future and say, "What am I going to do?" Hold on a second, Scotty. I'm rambling here for a minute. <laughs> she doesn't have the ability to look into the future and say, "I am going to uh, someday. I'm going to be old and I'm right. going to have to take care of myself." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, wow. All right. Well, that she, uh, sucks. Threatens the, she threatens the mom. If she, I told her mom to go get an eviction notice at the courthouse. She said if her mom does it, she will never let any of us see her kid again. That's, that's, that's mom a, with the grandchild. Oh, so now she's using that as a... Uh, ammo. As yeah. ammo. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, hang in there, Scott. Hopefully something happens. But uh, <laughs> thanks. That 30-year-old dude's looking a little bit better now. That is, Yeah, that's a tough one to be yeah. in. All right. So Steve-O is the guy I meant to go to last time. Steve-O, are you there? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you're on the air. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if you guys could hear me. I'm Shut up. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've been out of my parents' house for almost a decade now, and I actually had to do the whole swallow my pride thing. Uh, me and my wife had to move in uh, at 33, 34 years old, and on top of that, she's pregnant. Um, and it's And both of them smoke. Ah. That's an issue. So, so we heard this. When I heard this story on the news last night, we were eating dinner. I just had to put my head down, and my dad just started cracking up. Uh. And and I, he's like, the first thing I would, the first thing I'd be doing is I'd be cutting off the electric to the room. The second thing I'd be doing <laughs> is cutting off the plumbing. And if that doesn't fail, then I'd be throwing you out and changing the locks. So, um, so, uh, but you're you've got obviously uh, you've got a, f- a plan, a forward moving plan. we had to we had to move we had to move in because we're uh, we sold our house and we're currently uh, building a, a, a new house and uh, it's going to be done sometime in uh, June or July August. So we're just kind of. You're not deadbeats. Yes, no, just no, just both, by the the luck of the draw, you happen to end up in this situation. But yeah, yeah. The, the, if we're, the, the, the difference would be is if you were just living there, like this is great, you yeah. know, and 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 had no 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 outward uh, attempt at yeah. getting a, a, a job or moving out anything. That's where this guy at thirty yeah. years old seemed yeah, to be. We have a plan. We know what we're doing. It's and and like and you know they're doing us a favor because just I was I, it was actually long. It's a little bit longer than we should have been there. Cause yeah, how should have been done by now? But it's like we're all on the opposite because like. We've been out for, you know, such a long time that... And then you come back. Yeah. It's it's the next point. Like, it's really, really, it's really difficult. Sure. And on another note, and another note, uh, she doesn't do the choo-choo train. My mom does the airplane. Oh, (laughs) the airplane hanger. hanger. Get a hanger. Open up. Yeah. That would work with me. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Coming in for a landing. Uh, all right. So, uh, like, as a as a general rule, uh, this is sort of a two part question. What age 
um, should the parents start charging rent? And how long should you have been moved out before you move back in where the, where rent would be? These applied? are good questions. Yeah, I, 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 I don't rent. believe in the 18 years old, you got to pay rent thing I now because you're an adult. I, and I, I'm okay with it even right after college because um, maybe you're trying to land a job. Maybe you're not making any money. And so financial stability is also important. But if you're moving back in at 29 or 30 and you have a job, then, I think the parents probably should ch- charge rent. Yeah. A lot yeah. of parents, though, will will institute the, yeah, just because we're going to give you a, a life lesson here and you're going to start paying rent. Unless it's a real hard luck situation. Sure. Yes. If it really is and they, they need your charity, for lack of a better word, then I don't think rent should be involved. All but, right, I'll pay rent, but you got to stop smoking. But, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, I'd say over 25. I don't know. I don't think you can put an age on it. Like, yeah. you know, I think that if, if they're trying. Well, yeah, it's the situation. If they're trying, yeah. if they're 25 years old and they're trying, they're actively looking for a job, they are maybe working a few part-time jobs. Like, you know, I know my parents would never have charged us rent, but it was because we always tried. We were always doing something to sure. move our life forward. We weren't just sitting still in their house. So what about this? You're not charged rent, but what if you, I think anybody uh, would consider kicking in for food now and then or buying some, putting some groceries in their refrigerator. See, I would do that. To, I would... to sort of offset the expenditure on yeah, your right. parents. Right, I would say, right, listen, right. because my mortgage is not going to change just because you moved in with me. However, my uh, gas, electric, water, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff will go up. So I can maybe say, hey, why don't you kick in a little bit for food and, and some of the utilities or whatever. But Yeah, I would I, consider that rent, though. Right, yeah. but I, I would do rent but secretly store that money away so that when they did move out, say, hey, here, here, you give it back to them. No, never give it back to them. Uh, Listen to this, this text message. My mother started charging me rent at the age of 16. Wow. She forcibly took 85% of all my earned income after she made me get a full-time job and go to school. Wow. That's harsh. That's a little too much. I mean, teaching financial independence and responsibility is one thing, but that's uh, a little draconian. Take 40%. Yeah. (laughs) Casey, how much do you charge your mom? Uh, Zero. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's not. I figured it wasn't. She's over 25. She should be chipping in. (laughs) She asked. She tried to. But I don't. I I don't have. I don't. (laughs) Then you're out of here. It's funny, though, because she tries to pitch in whatever way she can. So, like. Uh, if we're down to, like, I don't know, like a little bit of laundry detergent, she goes to BJ's and gets us seven Aww. things of laundry detergent. Steve, it's like uh, a happy Gilmore. Oh, your hands hurt? <laughs> well, now your back's going to hurt because you just got garden dude. <laughs> ben Stiller. <laughs> Horrible. All right. All right. Not a booyah. Not a booyah, everybody. <laughs> we got to take a break. Uh, we have to. Uh, but anyhow, it's just an interesting scenario with these mom and dad actually sending an eviction notice to their own uh, their own kid. And uh, the, the court uh, ruling on that side. Uh, we have to take a break. We'll be back in a second. B-File is on the way. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Facebook, Twitter, you know, the usual places. 93.3 WMMR presents Money Clips. Wow, we have a lot of clips. Your shot at stuffing 500 bucks in your Money Clip seven times a day. Weekdays at 8, 10, and noon, as well as 2, 4, 6, and 8 p.m. We'll play an audio clip from one of your favorite MMR DJs. So true, Jackson. And then give you a keyword. Text it to 45911. Or if you enter it at WMMR.com or our app, you'll also get entered for the grand prize. 10000 bucks. What the f***? 
See complete rules at WMMR.com. It's MMR's Money Clips from who else? 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks your wallet. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. Ray Coob on the best of Preston and Steve. Getting into B-File number two. Reminding you to meet the biggest names in horror at Monster Mania Con 46 with Danny Trejo. A child's play reunion with Brad Dourif. And in-costume photo ops with two Jasons. Monstermania.net. Well, an off-duty cop is in hot water after picking up a prostitute in Brooklyn and leaving her in his still-running car. His service weapon on the front seat while he stopped to get some cash for their rendezvous. The hooker allegedly saw a golden opportunity when Officer Allie Shepard got out of his Jeep Wrangler to hit the ATM. She got behind the wheel and took off. Can't even trust a hooker. And while police have have since caught the lady of the night and recovered Shepard's vehicle... His Smith & Wesson pistol is still missing out there somewhere. Where's my gun? Yeah, where did I leave that? You're a bad hooker. And even Shepard's dad couldn't believe his 38-year-old son, a U.S. Army veteran who's yeah. been a cop in the last for the last 13 years, could be so boneheaded. When asked about it, he said, you've got to be effing kidding me. You always keep your gun on you when you're going to the ATM for hooker cash. Uh, dad Eugene Shepard said from his home that he uh, shares with his police officer's son. He said, I'm in total shock. I would never have thought this. The man has been in the service twice. I've never heard that he would pick up a prostitute. Uh, Shepard allegedly hired Laquana Lawton, known as Unique, at, ah. at Liberty Avenue and Sackman Street around 12.15 on Tuesday. They were headed to a motel, but Shepard made a quick pit stop to withdraw some cash from the ATM. That's when Lawton jumped behind the driver's seat and drove off with the firearm on the front seat. Police found Lawton the jacked Jeep and some narcotics and drug paraphernalia around 3 p.m. The gun was nowhere to be seen, so Shepard is now in a little bit of trouble from this incident. A University of North Florida dean has re- uh, resigned after he allegedly engaged in a sex act on campus. And wait till you hear the scenario. Oh, the, boy. The soccer coach called police and told them that he saw two individuals engaged in a sex act in a stairwell adjacent to the stadium's press box. <laughs> police said investigation revealed that Dr. Mark Tumio. Dean of the College of Computing, Engineering, and Construction met someone on an internet application named Adam for Adam and agreed to meet him on campus. When questioned, Tumio told police that he was just there to talk to the man about his bat business, (laughs) according to the report. I'd really like to meet you in the stairwell to discuss your bat business. Uh, He told police the man may have been bending down to tie his shoe, <laughs> and that may have looked out of place, apparently. Well, yeah. After, it's a misunderstanding. After telling Tumio that the man admitted to their sexual encounter, Tumio told officers he was there to engage in some oral. Uh, the man was uh, issued a trespass Dr. warning. Mark, Dr. Mark, I can't talk right now. And uh, Tumio was, uh, uh, had uh, resigned, according to school officials. So he was... He was Wait a uh, second. Here you have a guy who's really trying to explore bat options for the team. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know? Gets in hot water. Waiting for a letter that never arrived, possibly? Well, it may have ended up dumped by a U.S. Postal Service worker along a South Jersey street. A Facebook post... (laughs) You're supposed to deliver that stuff, right? ...shared more than 3,000 times shows a dozen mail bins stuffed with items discarded off of River Road in Pensauken. 
Uh, the mail, discovered Sunday, was dated August 8th and oh out God. for delivery from the Roxborough Station Post Office. Oops. Agents tracked down the employee who threw out the mail but learned that the person resigned from the post service uh, back in se- on September 8th. You ever just look at one mailbox and think about all the life-changing potential oh, yeah. letters that are in one mailbox. Absolutely. And, and, and things that people are desperately waiting for. So this guy quit and just dumped all the mail. Uh, authorities did not identify the worker or a possible uh, motive for the bizarre incident. So they uh, they it's a got felony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually spent an entire summer painting mailboxes uh, for because my mom and no one asked to. <laughs> Nobody asked me to. <laughs> uh, no, but my, my mom worked for the post office, so I'd actually uh, I would uh, wash the vehicles ah. from time to time, and then I also painted mailboxes. And that paint is like super. Thick. I don't even know what kind of paint it is, but uh, yeah, so that was an entire summer. It was good money, cash money. Cash money. Cash money. Nice. Back to you, Preston. All righty then. I'll take the floor. Uh, Here's in mailbox painting. <laughs> a, <laughs> a 90-year-old Cal... I'm Michael Bolton. I'm asking <laughs> about the career opportunities available in the world of mailbox painting. I know last time I was talking about cows, but they seem to be better now. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> There we go. I'll move on. Okay. Oh, hey, are you hey, sure? Because no. I got this now. I am Michael Bolton. <laughs> what are you doing next summer? How about painting mailboxes? <laughs> Casey, Casey says the paint is very thick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A, uh, a 90-year-old uh, California man was charged in the death of his stepdaughter after authorities said they found key evidence through the woman's Fitbit. Tying, wow. tying the man to her murder. Listen to how this played out. It's a terrible story, by the way. Anthony Vincent Aiello was arrested in the death of Karen Navarra, who was found dead inside her home in San Jose. Navarra was discovered slumped in a wooden chair while clutching a kitchen knife in her right hand. Jeez. Leading authorities to initially believe that she may have killed herself. Now, an autopsy later revealed uh, Navarra's suicide was staged. Uh, she had multiple deep and intrusive wounds to her facial area and a head that caused uh, skull fractures along with ga- a gaping slit to her neck. Authorities ruled that the 67-year-old woman's death homicide after finding that she couldn't have self-inflicted the wounds, which were most likely caused by a small hatchet or axe. Now, police interviewed Aiello and found his account of September 8th, the day Navarra died, didn't match up to evidence found on security footage. Aiello claim- claimed that he was... Uh, that he went by his stepdaughter's house to drop off a pizza. He spotted her driving by his home later in the day. Security footage, however, showed that his car was parked at her house from 3.12 to 3.30 p.m. Okay, 3.33 p.m. Navarra's car wasn't seen leaving the home. Hmm. So police also found a Fitbit device on Navarra. They contacted Fitbit, and they got the data. They discovered that her heartbeat spiked at 3.20 p.m. and then slowed down and stopped registering at 3.28. So they had, they had the, the time, time of, death. of the attack and the time of death Ooh, dear God. her Fitbit. And this was the same time frame that his vehicle was seen at her wow. house. You know, that's going to... Casey, uh, with the, the Apple Watches now, mm-hmm. they have even a more thorough suite of things like the Fitbit. So you're going to find this data being used in investigations more and more. Yeah. Aiello attempted to provide an explanation for investigators in New Discovery saying that he couldn't uh, have been with his stepdaughter when she was killed because she had walked him to his vehicle. Mm. He denied that he was present when she was killed and suggested that someone else might have been in the house. But authorities said they also located blood-stained clothes at his house, though he claimed that the blood was uh, from him frequently cutting himself. 
Uh, he was arrested on suspicion of murder last week. He's held without bond. This dude killed her. Yes. And they have the evidence. So that's pretty wild. I'd never heard of a Fitbit being used as evidence. But you're right, Steve. You'll see more and more of that stuff popping yeah. up. All right. And there you go. That's what I have in the B-Pop for you this morning. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Want to see something funny? Uh, or maybe really messed up? Well, watch The Daily Rush at PrestonandSteve.com. It's a sight to behold. Or something like that. From 93.3 WMMR. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. Ray Coob, your host for the best of this week. Uh, here we are. It's about student pilot audio and butt fax machines. Oh, no. What's going on this morning, Kenny? Steve. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. What am I doing? I have to do trash now. I can't get it. That's not funny. Uh, I'm thrown off because we did traffic <laughs> in this break, and I'm not used to it. And now, Steve, what's yes. going on? I'll, I'll take this one. All right. Sarah Abraham revealing in a recent interview that she despises her teen mom OG replacement, Bristol Palin. Abraham says it's not a case of her being a tight ass, mainly because the muscles that control her ass were long ago rendered useless by relentless butt porn. (laughs) Meghan Markle's estranged half-sister Samantha Markle says that despite showing up unannounced to Kensington Palace in a failed attempt to meet with Meghan... She felt her trip to London was a success. Samantha says regardless of everything, she did get to meet a cousin of the guy who played Mr. Belvedere. Oh, my God. That's pretty cool. And finally, Lenny Dykstra has been indicted by a grand jury in Union City, New Jersey, for possession of cocaine, possession of meth, and making terroristic threats after an altercation with an Uber driver last May. Dykstra vehemently denies the allegations and says that when the facts come out, he'll be curious to see what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed a whole bunch of things. Yeah. I know you know what I noticed? Across the field, a town and alleyway. In the dark of night, he roams, noticing, looking. In the fog. In the fog. Often in the fog. Often in the fog like this morning. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. The noticer. I am. And I noticed that I didn't get a chance to play this audio that you sent me, Steve. The noticer has noticed he's failed to play his audio. Uh, Is there anything he won't notice? This is a, uh, a student pilot. Yes. And I have not heard this yet. Student pilot is soloing for the first time. So they've uh, got their lessons, yep, and now they're going to take it up and fly it by themselves. Yeah, so she spent many hours training yes. and ready for her solo flight. And Upon uh, takeoff, she's in flight, and they notice one of her wheels, its fixed wheels, uh-oh. Uh-oh. has fallen off Okay, the aircraft. Uh, we have the audio of this, and I haven't heard it yet. So they, they alert her, Preston, in one okay. clip. Then the instructor comes on to guide her through. Okay. And you'll find out what happens in the third clip. Here we go. Yeah. The uh, wild coach just said that your right main is now missing from the airplane. It has fallen off the airplane. Say your intentions. Can I circle back to land? Affirmative. Um, are you a solo, ma'am? I'm a student pilot solo, yeah. Okay, just it'll be okay. Just um, go ahead and uh, circle the airport for now. Make a right turn to circle. We're going to get some people out to help you, okay? okay. And you can make a right turn out, okay? Oh, my God, she's terrified. But she's oh holding it together yeah, yeah, still. Yeah, but it's amazing. Okay. Just circle. We're going to get some people out to help you. Everything will be okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh she my sounds God. so young, too. I wonder how old she is. Kid. Sounds like a kid. <gasps> That okay. is awful. All right, here's the next clip, and this is uh, her teacher. 
Yes. Uh, they her get, instructor. They get her instructor yeah. on the line oh, wow. to, to talk her through it. So this is somebody uh, that she's familiar with. Here we go. Maggie, this is John. How you doing? I'm okay. Okay, you're doing a great job flying the airplane. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. We got plenty of time. You got plenty of fuel. We got plenty of daylight. So um, just had to relax. And you always heard me say, go back to basics. So we're going to work the basics here as much as possible. Okay. All right. We're going to do this just like we did. I know it's hard to say this, but treat it like as much as like a normal landing as you can. Um, so the power settings we've always done, the pitch to the airspeed, keep everything as normal as you can. All right. Okay. Oh, my uh, God. I'm wow. choked up listening wow. to this. I, seriously, I'm tearing up. He's a calming voice, though. I, that's, yeah. that's somebody I would want to speak to on the other end. You can hear her demeanor change immediately. Yeah. Okay. He gets on. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, she uh, she believes he can help her through. Okay, so this is helping her through the landing. Here we go. We're not going to rush everything. This is going to be perfectly normal. If, if something looks wrong, I'll tell you to do a go-around. But we're going to do a perfectly normal landing here. All right. Um, did I drop the flaps now? Yeah, once reduced to about 2,000, 2,100 RPM, and under the white arc, drop the flaps and trim it for about 80. All right. Okay, so just like we've done it hundreds of times before, just keep doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. By the way, before we continue on, people are texting in. She's 17 She's 17, years old. yeah. Teenager. All right. You're doing a perfect job, Maggie. Just treat it like a normal landing. It's going to try to pull to the right. So when that when that, the left main touches down, our right main touches down. All right. Yeah, beautiful job, Maggie. You got a whole bunch of people clapping for you up here. She landed. Great work. Thank you. Great job, Maggie. Excellent job. Oh wow. man. I was nervous. <laughs> I mean, I knew she was going to be all right. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we probably wouldn't be playing the audio of this girl crashing and dying. But, oh, my uh, God. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, man. That's... I, listen, I, I love flying in those small aircraft. It's really exciting. It's awesome. There's no way. And and I have flown one. I told you my wife's uncle let me fly over Sweden, and, and I held the... Uh, you know, I... Took control of the plane for at least an hour by myself. He was right next to me and had controls as well. But uh, the idea of landing or taking off or anything like that, no, no. Thanks. Here's cue. Here's what I would do. Okay, <laughs> what you did, I would have the Fisher priced wheel. Oh, just to protect to sit there like Maggie does right. with the dry. And that's how I do it. I don't need, I'll leave that to pilots. I'll leave that to people who have gone through the whole training. Mm-hmm. I don't trust myself. Uh, and I, you know, it's just, listen, again, statistically, Superman told us many times it's a, it's a safe way to travel. But uh, no, no way. I would crash and burn. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm the opposite. I very much have a desire to uh, to learn how to do it. Um, I do it. My ex-wife was very much against it, so I didn't do it while I was married. My current girlfriend is also against it. Yeah. Uh, and I understand that, you know, the desire or, or the the want for your loved one to not go up and, and try something like this. But I, to me, the, the freedom of being behind the controls, I think, would be pretty appealing. I'm with you on that. Um, I really I, am. I'd in. like to try it at some point in my life. Listen, if you get an aircraft that has, like, the, 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 the safety functions, like the, the parachute in the back, which mm-hmm. they do have now, and they have... Uh, you know, statistically, uh, again, it, it is pretty safe. I would just hate to be the bonehead that, oh, man, I didn't see the building, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Corey Lytle, like the uh, yeah. former pitcher from the Phillies. Right. Oh, yeah. And he went to a building. He was banking left or whatever yeah. and just, you know. Roy Halliday. Yeah. Halliday Roy Halliday as well. Yep. Um, uh, but, yeah, Nick, after I rode on the Avatar ride down in uh 
Disney World last year. They gave you a pilot's you license? A pilot? uh, no, no, you, but He's you an fly. Now, you do me a favor. All right, I want you to calm down. It's like we've done many times on Pandora. All right. What's your name? Casey. Casey, okay. We're going to fly right by. You're going to see a whole bunch of floating boulders. You've seen them many times before. All right? All right? Is your ponytail attached to your bird of prey? <laughs> We're going through the flying boulder field. Uh -huh. That's all it is. Yeah. We're just flowing boulders. <laughs> but after riding that ride. <laughs> <laughs> Is your ponytail attached? Your uh, ponytail hooked up? Okay. You're connected to your banshee. Uh, All right. All right. But after pretty colors, right? Very pretty. Very pretty. But after riding that ride, I, I came out of that. I'm like, I want to be able to do that. You know, not ride a banshee, but actually. Fly in an open cockpit. Uh, I would love to fly in an open cockpit. Yeah, I would definitely cockpit. be nervous. Yeah. You know, and, and it is something that you would have to take very seriously, and, and I would. But I just uh, there's something about uh, that control. Uh, you know what's funny though? Helicopter, no appeal to me whatsoever. I, nope. I I find that to be too difficult, and I don't know whatever that seems to be too daunting. Yeah. Like flying like a, a little Cessna or something like that. I think I could handle. Yeah, my friend has one of those open air cockpit, yeah. and the sides are open or, or whatever, and um, uh, like like. A, like a like a like a Sopworth camel, like an old um, a, a biplane. No, it's not old. It's it's brand new. Um, but okay. I don't know. The sides are open, and like when she, so she flies with her boyfriend. And okay, she takes pictures Sorry. with like her feet up and out the window, and I'm like, what's happening? Here? What are you what doing? Are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what do, is do you know? It was a, was a wild shot, Kathy. They had it was two military uh, people in the back of you know Preston, one of the. Uh, one of the jets that has the where they do the halo jumps with the uh, the loadout and yeah the, 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 yeah the backdrop and yeah. so they're obviously hooked up on tethers but they're just sitting at the edge of it while it's <laughs> banking that's crazy uh, case I wouldn't mind however uh, while I have no interest in in taking flying lessons and and you know putting myself in that situation it would be cool to train and achieve a pilot's license to say yes I am able to do this mm -hmm. I, I've, I've trained I've worked at it and I've learned how to do it I think that would be pretty cool and there's enough small airports around here where you can do that oh, there's lots of them yeah I mean you can yeah. do wings or uh, uh, the one out in Pottstown there's one in Limerick yeah, yeah. northeast yeah, Philly yeah alright uh, I noticed something else that Whoa. actually ties into this it ties, from the noticer. ties into aviation and uh, it ties into aviation yes and teeth and oh, teeth believe it or not flying teeth the United States Air Force will soon roll out a unique communication system that will be implanted on soldiers' back teeth. Isn't that wild? Cool. Sinitis Technologies recently announced their $10 million contract with the Department of Defense. $10 million? Which will allow them to continue through their second phase of de development for the molar mic. By the way, for this the was a technology that already appeared in Gilligan's Island. And the Partridge family. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Mueller started picking up radio signals. It was from her braces. Yes. Yeah. She could hear the, ra the Rolling Stones, if That's I remember right. correctly. So yeah. you can actually, it's a two-way. It's not just hearing. It's, it's right. actually, yeah, exactly. Because I had these uh, um, headphones that I would wear. In uh, your mouth? No, uh, when I swam. Oh, okay. And, but the, oh, the, they work use your jawbone. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. go into my ears. They actually went into my jawbone, and yeah. they, they would. I would hear it through my bones. Swimmers swimmers use those quite often if they're doing laps. And I was thinking about getting a, a set. I got water um, proof uh, buds for for Cleric for the for the swimming. But uh, what'd you think of the sound? Was it muffled or was it okay? No, it was fine. Okay, it was totally fine. interesting. Yep. 
Uh, the innovative two-way personal communication system fits a miniaturized traditional headset into a device that clips to a user's back teeth. According to the company's website, the Air Force is the uh, first branch military that's leveraging an audio interface system that enables clear communication in the harshest conditions. Those no. conditions can include performing underwater, in free fall, and when using full-face life support masks. Uh, and they are, it's a, their, their statement said that they are honored to bring this game-changing technology to our country's elite military. It's very cool to adjust the frequency. You you turn your nose, Preston. Okay. You twist it. <laughs> I've been uh, really addicted to watching Avengers lately, and the communication devices that they have, uh, I know are sci-fi, but yeah. are, are we close to that? Where you we can are. Just, like tap your ear and, and speak to somebody else on the field that way? I don't know. Yeah, we are. Okay. And in fact, says we are. what they're doing with... Uh, well, that's what this kind of looks like. I mean, installing something in the back of your molar sort of seems like what, you know, you just, you got something in your ear and you're able to talk to anybody on a, anywhere else on the field. Well, there's like, they're doing incredible stuff with extending the range of Bluetooth. Like, um, that's, that's a, a whole new, okay. you know, Bluetooth has a limited distance right now, mm-hmm. but they're, 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 the advances they're making in extending it for long distances is pretty amazing. I still don't like when people talk on the Bluetooth, like with a phone out in front of them and the speakers Yeah, like they're Captain Kirk. Yeah. Each soldier will receive a mouthpiece that is custom fit. The mouthpiece connects to its transmitter via uh, near-field magnetic induction. (laughs) The mouth... Uh, the mouthpiece. Aren't you picking up all the mouthpieces? <laughs> <laughs> the heartbeat. <laughs> Sounds good. Roger. Uh, the mouthpiece contains a bone conduction speaker. Okay. An embedded waterproof microphone and a wirelessly rechargeable battery. Do uh, do that with Nick wearing that while eating a banana. Uh, the mouthpiece. Gross. <laughs> yeah, how do they cut down on that residual sound? The mouthpiece clips on uh, using a snap fit that tightly but comfortably attaches to the upper back molars. That's just for you to hear. Yeah. In order for the user to hear incoming communications, the mouthpiece uses bone uh, conduction. Bone conduction is the transmission of sound of the inner ear through the bones in the skull or teeth. The mouthpiece translates the sound into vibration on the teeth. All right. Yeah, so that's like uh, those headphones that I had had um, for swimming. It, it, it just kind of conducts it through the sound through the bones. Well, you, you have the Apple, um, the, the earbuds. earbuds. I have yeah. the, the Jabra uh, earbuds that you saw the thing that, that go in. You, mm-hmm. you just tap it. F- phone call comes in. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, Preston, I'm taking calls through my Apple Watch that go up through the the buds. We're really getting to that point, Nick, to your, um, you know, Tony Stark out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know. Yeah, we're really almost there. I mean, you would think it wouldn't be that terribly difficult with, I think the elements of the technology exist in a bunch of different places. They do, yeah. So, so to be able to combine them, it doesn't seem like we're that far off from it. Phone teeth. Yeah. All right, uh, here's another thing. I'm, I'm trying to find things. Oh, there's a thing. You probably left out the new thing, the advancement too, Preston, the, the, the butt fax machine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to lay on your side for the paper to feed out properly. Yeah. 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 Do we have the sound of that working at all? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah, they just... <laughs> 
Oh, the lunch order's coming in. Uh, oh, let him know we're out of the stew. And brownies and a Coke. Okay, got it. All right, here's, here's a new uh, a phone thing I noticed uh, that kind of ties in with everything. More from the noticer. Yeah. Another phone thing. Yeah. Uh, Apple will be debuting their new iPhones uh, today. Today, yes. And one of them may be brown, apparently. They're going to change the okay. color. Brown is the new color. And uh, I'm hearing pressed. I don't know if you've heard this as well, but a 6.5-inch screen. I saw a 6.1 inch. Okay. Uh, What's the 10? What and uh, an updated 5.8 inch. And Oh, no, I'm sorry. And then the uh, iPhone X Plus is 6.5 inches. Do we know this was happening? Yes. Okay. Uh, ben Geskin, who often uh, tweets Apple leaks, said that some of the new colors include space gray, silver, red, blue, and brown. I don't give a damn what color my phone is. You know, yeah. I go with black if it's available or, uh, or silver. It doesn't bother me because yeah. I put a case on it. Well, yeah. I cared in the beginning, it. and then the cases became, you, know, you, you had to put a case because they started to, the phone started to get so expensive, mm-hmm. you didn't want it to break. They so. have red phones, right? Yes. All right, those are kind of cool looking. But I actually, I don't put a case on my phone, and I still don't care what color it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Why do you uh, choose not to put a case on? Uh, because... They are... I, it's hard to hard. get out of your pocket? Yes! Yeah, I know what you mean. Learned about it in Pandora Flight School. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, however, I use one because, you know, the the dropping factor of it. I've never cracked my screen, thank God. Oh, it's never man. happened on any phone I've ever had. I, I see people carrying around shattered screens all the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I've been lucky. Although, Steve... Well, oh, we forgot about... I, you're in the bathroom yesterday. yesterday. All right, listen to this. I'm, I'm using the urinal, and I'm checking my phone... <laughs> And I'm walking away, oh, no. and I, 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 I guess I don't know what I did, I, I, but I dropped it right in the urinal. What? Before it had a chance to auto flush, too. So it just you went. You got a piss phone? It went into my piss. Oh, my God. In the urinal. And Steve just hears, Steve's in the stall, yeah. and he hears me go, oh, damn it. He's like, what, what did you do? I dropped it in the urinal. And I asked, I grabbed it. I got it out you, of there. How'd you pull off that angle? I don't know. It was my own pee. I don't yeah, care. No, I was going to go wash my hands anyhow. I mean, so. it's better than dropping it in the toilet. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're going to drop a yeah. phone in the toilet, it's the more likely culprit. <laughs> dropped it in the urinal. Yeah, and there was enough, and, and it wasn't like it, all the pee ran out either. It was, it was puddled there. <laughs> oh. It landed in the pee. So fortunately, it's an iPhone, and it's waterproof. So yeah. I, immediately, I just took it over the sink, and I just washed it out, and I was done. I'm you like, washed it good, though. A friend of a friend, Preston, was at the... Uh, <laughs> uh, it was so funny. <laughs> was that made, ah, damn! Was that Made in America two weekends ago, uh, dropped their phone into the <laughs> Bill has arrived. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it stays in the bucket. The phone stays in the bucket and the pills are the Benadryls and the wine. Yeah. Anyway, so, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in fact, when I use the bathroom at home, in the bathroom in the house of the home of the live where I am, I overly <laughs> grasp onto my phone when I'm uh, using it. I take less care at toilet. home because I figure it's my own toilet. I'm all right with Here, it, you know. But if yeah. I'm if I'm a uh, porta potty or something <laughs> like that, like 
Yes, I've learned that lesson because every now and then it'll even just slip a little bit, and you're like, the, the you know, the consequences of dropping it there are are awful. If the phone is coming out, I would never take it out in a, in a porta pot. But if the phone is coming out, I'm going to sit down to pee. If I really have to be on right. the, the the deal, otherwise, it's too precarious. Yeah. Standing and looking at your phone over the toilet. So this girl at, at Made in America, that was it. That was the end of her phone. She just let it go. You can remote, clear it, yeah. and then you just get a new one. Uh, so I, I, this is the first time, Preston, I signed up for the program where I get the, I get whatever update on the phone. It's already, you know, ordered and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm going to get this. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're going to get the, the big one, the 6.5 inch? You know what? I, I've been liking the smaller size, but I did like the, they, they have their advantages. But Do you have any idea what size is the one you have? The there? X is how big, uh, Nick, Nick, Martin, know. you know? Numbers? Eight. 5.3. 5.3. Oh, so this oh, is, wow. that would be much bigger, 6.5. But a 6.1 might be kind of nice. I wouldn't mind having just a little bit bigger. Well, but You're using your phone more and more for, um, you know, it's a computer. It's a mini computer. What, yeah. you, what version do you have, Preston? Uh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I've forgotten. Have we, you we, have the X, right? We bought so yeah, many time. phones. You know, there's, there's yeah. four of us, five of us now that have phones. My, I've, I've lost track of who Dude, my, my son has the 10, and I'll get a 6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's wild if you go on, like, at home, for example, and go on the, the Xfinity app to handle the Internet that shows everything that's on, the list of devices <laughs> in my house yeah, that are on the Internet. Oh, now, I skipped I, up to, like, the terabyte service. It's it's crazy fast. Mine's a 7. Okay. okay. It says, iPhone, this phone, Preston, Preston's iPhone, this phone, I, this iPhone 7. This phone, the phone, the iPhone. <laughs> And I'm fine with it. I don't, I'm, I'll hang on to this for quite a stretch. Yeah. I'm, it's, it does exactly what I want it to do. So you need. I don't need any more than that. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's all that I noticed. All right. I, I noticed, all from the noticer. I noticed other things. It's strong on a phone in the piss story. I noticed that we are uh, out of time, so we gotta we got to take a break. And that's the very thing that we're going to do right now. We'll come back in just a moment and uh, have some more Bizarre File stories that I will share with you when we return. So stay with us. Steve Show Podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Introducing the Black Kitchen Podcast, an audio series about modern black cuisine. My name is Adrian Miller. I'm a culinary historian and soul food scholar. Over six episodes, I'll be digging into the stories of six black restaurateurs. Join us while we chop it up about everything from their triumphs to their setbacks and their menus. You'll smile, you might even cry, and you'll definitely learn a little something. Find the Black Kitchen Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.